Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, We've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, His wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated. Just hang in there, Matt. You'll beat this thing soon. Well, look who it is. Old Two-Face and Poo-Face. <laughs> the name is Clayface. What do you want, Joker? Oh, deepest apologies, Matthew. I always make that mistake. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to see a few fellow rogues sitting around in here. I just wanted to run this idea by you. Uh, You know, I've noticed a lot of other uh, Gotham criminals getting these interesting tattoos on their bodies. What do you fellow rogues think of uh, your old Uncle Joker getting some ink? Half of me thinks it's going to look cool. The other half of me thinks it's going to look stupid. I think it's a wonderful idea. Go ahead and get as many as you want. Well, that sounds fair. You, there's never any pleasing, Harvey. There's uh, you're two sides about everything. <laughs> well, and now I just have to figure out what tattoo am I going to get. I could get one of those cute little Hello Kitty tattoos, or maybe the 90s alien head, or perhaps a barbed wire around my bicep. What do you think? Maybe something a little more personal? As an actor who's someone that's interested in the art of storytelling, you should t- get tattoos that tell your story, Joker. Hmm, so you think I should get my name in some sort of fancy script across my belly? The coin decided, yes. Hmm, interesting. All right, so we've got that one down. Uh, let me think of some more tattoos. Maybe just, uh... You know, I do laugh a lot. <laughs> what about Ha? I can just put Ha over and over again in different places on my body. Getting a little bit weird, but sure, why not? You are a crazy guy after all. The coin also says, go ahead. Ooh, this conversation is going good. You know, I'm going to stop calling you Pooface as long as you're agreeing with me. Hmm. 
Well, I, you know, I do have Harley Quinn as kind of my side, bitch. What do you think about a, a skull with a Chester hat on? That seems pretty boss, doesn't it? Pretty boss indeed. I love it. I don't know, Joker. I don't need to flip the coin to think this is getting a little overkill. Well, Harvey, you could indeed get the number two tattooed on your body, or perhaps a Roman numeral two. What about uh, the word Gemini? You know, something like that for you? Look at my face. I don't need a tattoo. It's already evident. His face tells a story. Oh, that's very true. Look, I had this other idea for a tattoo. What if I got my mouth tattooed on the back of my own hand? Yeah, sounds pretty neat. Getting a little creepy, but I think, again, a wonderful idea. You know, Batman's always punching out my teeth every cartoon episode, you know, eventually it might be a good idea to hold my hand up over my mouth when I'm laughing so you see the other mouth there. That's how it works. It's, you know, it's a gag. I mean, it's already evident from your face. You want to extend it to your hand, too? Yeah, why not? I just want to, you know, I love myself. I'm just going to put things about me all over my own body. Subtlety was never your strong suit. Damn right it's not. That I can agree. You're one of the great showmen, Joker. I respect you for that. I'm going from classy to trashy, bitch. I'm going to get inked up. This is Gotham Inc. And I'm going to have my own reality TV show. Like one of those SoundCloud rappers. There you go. I already got a gum wrapper to wrap around my teeth to have a little fake tinfoil grill. <laughs> Look, all right. One more idea I've got to run by you now. This one, I, I think it's the best idea of all. You know, I see myself as a broken man, a sad crying clown. What if I got the word damaged in fancy cursive script tattooed on the top of my forehead, right under my hairline? That sounds pretty neato, right? I think it's the stupidest idea ever. But the coin just landed on the scarred side, so I'm just going to say, you go ahead. So you were against it, but the coin said no to you being against it, so that means you're for it? It says that I should cave in and let evil win. If evil means he needs damage on his forehead, then he should go for it. I know I said you had no subtlety, but don't you think that this is going a little too far? I'm gonna do it anyways! <laughs> Alright, I've got to get out of here. I've got to video shoot with Skrillex and Rick Ross. So they're gonna hop in my purple Lamborghini and we're going to go riding on a speedboat. <laughs> Wait, before you go, let me change into a version of you that you're talking about. This is what you will look like. Jesus Christ, what was I thinking? Well, never mind, off to the video shoot. <laughs> And welcome back, everyone, to not to superhero stuff you should know, but to supervillain stuff you should know. It continues. <laughs> it is I, the man who knows too much about Batman villains this time. <laughs> and with me, as usual, And is... it's me, everybody. Andrew, what's going on? And this has taken way too long, but 
After passing rigorous trials, and hopefully this doesn't blow up in my face, but let's make Zach a fucking host all of a sudden. Let's just do it. No longer a guest host. <laughs> oh, shit. You passed the trials. A rigorous... I didn't tell Ben about this either, but you just found the right guy, man. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck, but... Oh, yeah. Zach found us. We're, you're going to get the smallest cut of our pay, but still... Welcome aboard officially. I just want So let's see your little Chiron change at the bottom. <laughs> oh, shit. From guest host to real host. It yeah. should happen right now. Congratulations. <laughs> you look down. And so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So our new host and our favorite Joker voice. I had a... It was it was getting ridiculous. I had a whole, I had a whole thing set up, and now you've thrown me off the wheel here. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I had man. a whole little stupid sorry. Joker thing I was going to do. Um... We're talking about. Oh, well, go ahead, guys. I don't think it's Rob's me, Zach. Joker. So I'll do a little Joker for you. Um. <laughs> well, shit, Gotham. It looks like your favorite old uncle Joker is now a official part of the cast. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right, and as you can see, we have a special guest with us, and that is uh, Rob Ailing. Rob, uh, introduce yourself for us. Uh, well, good evening from the UK. Uh, my name is Rob <laughs> Ailing. I'm a writer and director based in the UK, and uh, yeah, that is an impressive <laughs> Joker. I have to say that was you know, spot <laughs> on, like superb, man. Really superb. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, uh, Rob is joining us to discuss his Batman film, Living in Crime Alley. So, if you, ugh, if you have not checked that out, then uh, that link will be in the description below for you to watch that. And then come back to join us as we will not only talk to him about the film, but he'll also be joining us in the discussion on supervillains. Yeah, so, uh, you know, spoiler conversation for an eight-minute movie. So, pause this right now. Watch so, you have no it. excuse not to watch it. Watch eight minutes of it and then come back to yep. this. So, last week uh, we talked about Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. This week it's about Jared Leto's Joker, who appeared in Suicide Squad, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and most importantly, the Skrillex and Rick Ross music video for Purple Lamborghini. Oh, he's riding on a boat, doing nothing. <laughs> he's in more of that music video than he is in Suicide Squad but or Justice League. he's doing less than those movies, though. He's doing, he's just like on the boat like. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, just standing on it. It's so dumb. Apparently, it was written for his we'll point of it. view, which I don't understand at all. The song was written for the Joker's point of view. In terms no of the, one does, the Zach. No one understands it. Well, I, I guess it makes sense because he's the one with the purple Lamborghini. So I guess so. It yeah. makes sense. I guess, but oh well. it was bad. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway. Let's not talk about Leto <laughs> right now. Let's talk about Rob. It's one of the so, worst Joker things ever. We'll get there, Andrew. Contain we'll get it. to it. Uh, okay. So Rob, <laughs> Rob and I I'll met try. over the app uh, Clubhouse, which for those who don't know, is basically like a 24-7 convention on any topic, yeah. where yeah. any given time. Uh, and there's at any given time, there's a panel where you can jump and join in on, uh, except it's all done through an app, and it's all done through audio. And uh, I think we were both in a room where we were just sort of, you can follow anybody. And I saw Rob had done a Batman fan film and I was like, immediate follow. And <laughs> then like one day we were both in a room at uh, the Everything Entertainment Club, which I've talked about on this podcast before. And it was about who was the best Joker. So it's very fitting to have you on on <laughs> discussing the Jared Leto Joker in this episode. So uh, we all watched uh, Living in Crime Alley. 
as I destroy my headphone set. Uh, we all watched uh, Living in Crime Alley, and uh, we definitely wanted to spend some time talking about it, as well as your own Batman fandom. Obviously, you can see from the YouTube video that Rob is as much of a fan as us with the Batman hat and the shirt, and I see some art in the background as well. So that looks like original Kane Finger Robinson art. It is indeed, yes. Um, it's also signed by uh, Bob Kane as well. Oh, so, uh, wow. oh they're very uh, nice. precious pieces. Yeah, very precious pieces. There is, is one amazing. signature, of course, uh, missing, of course, which who knows. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. let's not go down that route. But you know, there is yeah. one. There is yeah. one uh, signature missing. But you know, look, yeah. the the guys, you know, part of the the story and the mythos and everything. Right. So yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes, he's yes, not for forgotten. Sure. Yeah. For sure, yes. exactly. So uh, I guess first off, share with us what got you into Batman. Oh, um, so what got me into Batman was essentially from a young age, I, you know, I adored the animated television series. I think for most kids in the 90s, uh, born in the 90s, or at least grew up in the 90s, they were first exposed to Batman in that way. And as was I. And um, it was both that, but also a Batman comic that I had found, um, well, not necessarily found, I discovered it in a comic book stand in, um, in East London, which is where I grew up. And uh, it was the comic Fatal Wish, uh, which is a story in itself told in uh, Crime Alley in Gotham. And it's a Gothamite story, but it's also a retelling of the origin of Batman, but um, but in a very unique way, in a very different perspective of why they go to that cinema that night to go and see that film. And it's a very interesting story about choices and the choices that we make. And um, to go an even deeper level of you know where my fandom kind of really started... Um, for me, um, I lost my father at a very young age and to have a character like Batman to be there at that time to kind of almost be that kind of surrogate father figure to kind of be the new kind of father figure in my life to understand that actually this is an individual that's taken grief and had grief in his life and actually used it to better himself, to be a better person and actually... Uh, become a better human being and actually help others in regards to that, I think it's just something incredibly inspiring. And for me at that age, to lose my father at that time was tough. But then to find this character and think, wow, he can actually make himself better without a particular, um, well, in his case, two um, family members. But for me, losing that one figure was a, a fragile thing for me at that time. So to have that character come into my life in that way was a very uh life saving thing for me so uh, i have a very special bond with bruce wayne batman and uh as you guys probably noticed with living in crime alley there's a lot to that film which is a reflection of my own life but also a reflection of my own fandom as well so he's a he's a special character to me That is awesome. That's I think, awesome, man. I think a lot of times you hear the same old reasons in terms of Batman. We're just like, oh, he's like more relatable because he doesn't have powers. I'm just like, well, if that's the case, then why is Green Arrow not more popular? Why is why was Iron Man? It took Robert Downey Jr. to make yeah. that popular. I, to me, I think the actual secret to Batman isn't the fact that he doesn't have powers. I think that's only part of it. But I think the actual secret is exactly what Rob's been saying: is the the idea that you take your pain and you turn it into something. Uh, basically positive you take that around and and you make things better as opposed to his villains who take their pain and use as an excuse right for their own sort of evil or whatever plans or selfishness that they do so right uh i I always felt that birth uh rebirth from tragedy 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, being a main theme. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like I've said in other episodes that we've done, I love, I mean, it's a tragedy that you had, but I mean, it's interesting. It's always interesting to see what many people would view as just silly comic books, but then you see people just be very moved, you know, by these mythological, you know, characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changes people's lives, you know? So it's something very important important here in the yeah. in these stories. I think so, too. Yeah. So, Andrew, you had the next question. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, let me read it here. Okay. What led to making Living in Crime Alley? Oh, I'll try not to be too long about this one. Um, so, <laughs> as I as I've mentioned before, like you know, my fandom for Batman has you know grows back to when I was five. You know, a kid who lost just just lost his father, but then discovered this character, discovered cinema, and you know, living in Crime Alley is both my love for the character in that world, but it's also a reflection of my own uh, experience of dealing with financial struggle. So back in twenty seventeen. I'd lost my job. I had landed a really good job, which I thought was a really good job. And then it was taken away, you know, made redundant, essentially. And that really sucked. I felt really bad and felt creatively low and also was in a really terrible financial position at the time because I just moved. Um, I had, you know, pretty much relocated everything about, you know, my life at that time. And I thought I was going in the right direction, everything. And here I thought, yeah, I got this job. I'm going to go in the right direction. And then literally it was halted. It was, you know, taken away from me. And it was so unfair. And then I thought to myself, how can I just get myself back in the game? How can I keep myself, keep moving forward creatively? And as you can see around me, I'm surrounded by my fandom. So <laughs> You're I, not alone on that. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, why don't I just start just writing anything? You know, and I, I you know, the, the, there's the expression, write what you know. So mm-hmm. in that case, I have been financially poor for quite some time. Um, so I, uh, I decided to write uh, a story about... Um, a parent, a single parent, trying to bring up their child in a deprived area in a specific place. Uh, and then one day I was just writing down some ideas and, you know, thinking, okay, this, this, and this. And then I looked up and I just saw, well, you can't see it here because we're, you know, mm. um, but there's a picture of Batman just up here with multiple Batmen, I should say. And mm. I just thought, well, what would happen if we brought Bruce Wayne Batman into a situation where he doesn't fully understand the circumstances of being in a financially deprived area. How does he not understand, you know, that Gothamite's perspective? Because here's a character who's been brought up on royalty, he's not had to struggle financially, and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't fully grown with a, you know, he's obviously had Alfred, but he's not had his parents, he's not had that, you know, he's travelled elsewhere, he's always had to provide by himself in some way. But then how do you bring hope um to a child and he's not been that parent as of yet and especially not in the story that we're trying to tell and that opened up loads of questions and that opened up the possibility and i just thought to myself we haven't seen this really this kind of perspective in film form we probably Mm. have a lot of the time in comic book form Mm. um but for me i've not seen that in film form so i just started writing and writing and and then it became quite a long piece i then decided to strip it down and then eventually, um, I got it down to a five, about a five-page script, and then I just sent it off, and 
it did a couple of uh, fan fiction festivals, screenwriting festivals, and it got good buzz and everything. And then someone said to me, oh, when are you going to make the film? And I was like, oh, God, I've got to make this. <laughs> uh, um, um, and then I'll be honest with you guys. I just, I just, I said to myself, I wasn't going to make it. I said, I'm not going to make this because it's too much of a big financial step. Because when you make a film, you you know, there's a, it's a big financial leap of faith on, fundamentally. Mm-hmm. But then you add Batman in front of the film. So you're making yeah. a Batman f- film. Then it becomes an even more higher financial uh, level of you know stakes there. And I'll be honest, I just was completely afraid of the notion of making that kind of film. Back in 2018, this was. And I was afraid to fail again. You know, I was, you know, I'd just been, you know, brutally, you know, let go from a position where I thought I'd worked hard enough to get to that point. I didn't want to fall and crash down again. But then I had several people say to me certain things like, this is a great script. What the hell are you doing not making this? You know, like, and I, do you know, I, I have to, I won't mention his name, but like, he'll know who it is anyway. But he once said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, you're a filmmaker that doesn't make films. And that really struck a nerve. And I was like, you're absolutely right. So then back in 2018, the end of 2018, I then decided, you know what, I'm going to rather that, you know, I don't want to say shoulda, woulda, coulda. I want to say I have at least tried and given it my best shot. And in the beginning of 2019, I then decided, you know what, I'm going to risk it all and actually make the best film that I can with the best script that I have right now. And, you know, a day and a half of making the film in September of 2019, a year's worth of planning, you know, pre-production and everything, getting it all together and filming it in a day and a half and editing it before, you know, the end of December 2019. And here we are now. And it's easily, easily one of the best decisions I've ever made because, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but like the character has saved me as a young child. He saved me again when I was, you know, 28, 29 and you know it's the best decision i've ever made because it's the best you know piece of work that i've done so far for me it's great man i mean it kind of reminds me of like people especially the political situation in america right now with how people view the police and stuff like that and that is kind mm. of transferred onto how people view batman mm. um so there's a people look at him negatively at times depending on who the person is but uh, but then to see this, it's kind of relevant to all that, and it, uh, you know, you Batman cries at the end, and you see just how hard his job is on him, and that was really moving. I mean, it was just tastefully done, you know. Yeah, and that da- that gamble definitely paid off because yeah. if you guys look at the description for the fan film, there's a whole list of awards that the film has had that we would just be here all day if I listed all. Of them. <laughs> yeah, I was planning to, yeah. and then I was just like looking at the list. And I'm just like, you know what? It's better if they just go see. It. They're going to go to the link anyway, so they might as well read it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, let's see, uh, Zach. You yeah, had. I a also question. wanted to say I very much uh, enjoyed the ending. Uh, I don't know if you gained specific inspiration from. Um, it was Paul Dini and Alex Ross's collaboration. Is that War Ben? Is that Batman War? Yeah, War on Crime. Oh, War. Yeah. I remember I the little well. boy yeah. holding the gun on Batman, and like it kind of took his took mm. his breath away. Mm. Like it shocked yeah. him because that's yeah. like you know 
that's the reverse of a position that he was in when he was a child, and then they embrace at the end. And I, I thought that was yeah. really cool. The, the ending really made me think of that. Um, my question was, how did you create the cityscape and the bat signal for the film? Oh, now that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. Um, so um, I'm glad you pointed out the Alex Ross thing, by the way. I just wanted mm-hmm. to quickly mention because the funny thing was I subconsciously didn't even think of that when I was writing. I really? just thought, <laughs> wow. I know I generally was just, th- you know, just writing within the moment. Cause for me as a director, I, I'm always about writing about truth within the moment. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it becomes more natural, but it's also about, you know, harnessing that. And when you take that to a film set and with the crew and everybody, then, you know, then you can go and find the exploration there. So all of that, what you're talking about now, that the emotion, the scene of, you know, the reverse of everything, you know, it's, um, it's all based on just pure, truthful, you know, in the moment performance. And then someone said to me afterwards, "Oh, you know, it's like this." And I'm like, "Oh my god, it is!" I didn't even think of that. But, but that's. But no. Um. Uh, so I'm not going to take credit for that, of course. Um. But the, the cityscape and the bat signal. Um, that was all done through visual effects. Um. You know it, and I'll be honest with you. It was an absolute nightmare working with green screen. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, it's, because you know, I uh, so I knew I had some experience of working on green screen before, but you know, there's certain ways of lighting it. You know, you had to have like a big, massive light. You know, like a 2K or a 5K light, kind of shining through to make the green bright enough so that it can be used to, for the VFX artist to you know composite and you know render and everything, all that stuff. Um, and luckily, by pure sh- sheer dumb luck, we had the sun shining down on this window. So, you know, we had this green sheet um, over the window. So that's how we were able to light it enough to have our backdrop. And I won't... A- I'll, be- I'll-, I'll tell you one thing. I won't actually give away what the cityscape is, but my VFX and I know what that cityscape <laughs> that we use is. I mean, some people probably can tell when they watch it, but we took a city... Um, and we, you know, composite it over the top, and then it's just simply, you know, throwing in some, you know, there's some small Easter eggs in there. I'm sure you've probably, you know, seen here and there. Mm-hmm. So it was all through painful, well, according to the VFX artists anyway, um, painful <laughs> sure. uh, um, rendering work. And, um, you know, he did a fantastic job. And, um, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. how we created... Um, uh, the Gotham cityscape. It really helps give you the feel of the fact that you're in Gotham, that this mm. is definitely like in that world. And along those lines, I did notice that unlike other, a lot of other Batman fan films, most famously like the Bat in the Sun ones, they, they go off of the Bat suit from the comics with the, the gray and black. However, mm-hmm. I was surprised that this Batman seems to be evoking the Michael Keaton Batman, which is also why I'm wearing the 89 Batman shirt yeah. today, with the little extra points on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I had a question about what led to the costume decision. Was that a deliberate choice? Was it down to what you're able to get? Like what led to it sort of evoking the 90s Batman? Mm. Um, so the, the, the costume is an interesting one because um, fundamentally speaking, if we wanted to create our own suit, we could have done... But then that would have cost, you know, an extra five grand, you know, <laughs> right. like just to just to make one suit of, of it course. anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like I'll be completely honest because you guys know that the film's like eight minutes long, you know, and mm. 
you know, it's. It, I, I feel like I'm always cheating the audience when I say this, but it's it's just fundamentally how I see it. It it's a it's a drama which happens to have Batman in it because right. yeah. he's only in yeah. it for so long. You know, and that's yeah. you know, some people come after me afterwards and say, "You lied to me. Batman's in this, not in this film." And then they watch it and they go, "Oh, he is," and that's why he's in it. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like a typical Batman film, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. a different perspective of it. But you know, every time you see him on screen, you know the budget goes up. So you're literally going right. So that's a minute. So that's a grand. That's another minute. That's two grand. <laughs> that's another minute. That's three. You know, you can count it basically how much money's on the screen in the minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that stretched my wallet. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm but sure. the the choices of it, you know, look, the, fundamentally, I did make my own design of what the suit could be, and you mm. know, but then. You know, you're looking at budgeting and everything, and you just go, "Do you know what? If there's stuff out there already that exists, and you know, people and the fans in particular can get a kick out of seeing, you know, the nods to things and everything, mm-hmm. then that's going to be great." And um, while it does harken basically the Keaton look overall, you know, the the faux leather cape, the, the mm-hmm. Keaton cowl, obviously, mm-hmm. um, there are things about it which we um, reference to other movies. So the Dark Knight trilogy in particular, the the actual uh, movability, the actual the flexibility of the entire suit, you know, it's not fully shown, but he does wear military gear in certain areas. So mm-hmm. it's a certain militarized uh, costume. Uh, the animated TV series is referenced and, you know, the classic kind of, you know, 50s and 40s look with the grey and the mm-hmm. yellow emblem, of course. Um, but one little Easter egg which is on the suit is actually the emblem itself is a reference to um, the late, great, bright knight, um, Adam West. And it's just, the only thing is, mm-hmm. it's just it's sharper. The only difference is that the, the ears are a little sharp because when I looked at the the um the emblem i did think oh no those ears are a little bit short uh you know we're gonna have to make it look we we will make those um we'll make the ears a little bit longer because it'll look a bit strange if it's you know if it's completely you know adam west i mean Mm -hmm. i'm sure but you know the the shape of the outline of it it's just a little sharper but it's my little nod to his legacy as well and um you know as i said the film was made in 2019 and 2019 was also 30 year celebration of uh, the 89 movie. Um, is it 930? Yeah, 30 years. Is that right? Yes, my math is correct, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Since they they kind of um, correct, yeah. Over 30 years, yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, it was the 80th year of the character's existence in 2019. So it almost mm-hmm. became a celebration of that, but it also became a celebration of that movie. And I think, you know, many <laughs> people timing. always go on about. Yeah, no, it was. It was perfect timing, and you know that's you know that's why it's always weird to say you know it's such a weird coincidence. Like all of this just kind of came together really well, mm-hmm. and um, it almost became a really just a great celebration of not just me just trying to you know celebrate my fandom for that character, but also have something to say as an artist, as a creator, mm-hmm. to say that you know what does it mean to live in this environment? What does it mean to bring hope uh, to a child? Um, and you know discover and uh question the gray area of the law as mm-hmm. well and uh and i said you know it's an it's a celebration of what michael keaton's batman and tim burton's world did because i think even to this day you know i know a lot of people you know of course in today you know people are going mental over michael keaton returning as batman of course course, but um (laughs) you know that movie and uh those two movies i should say did do a lot for that character and i think Mm -hmm. even to this day we don't 
I, I mean, we do acknowledge the importance of that film, but I think a lot of people find uh, try to find a lot of negativity towards it now because of hmm. the things that we're because we're so overly in. Um, we, we've got a lot of Batman now. That's, <laughs> That's the thing. We're getting a lot of Batman to the point where yeah. we're just we're, we we shouldn't complain, but we still do. That's the yeah. thing. We, yeah. we, we mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. it's. It's a celebration. That's that's the pretty much the best way that I can sum up why the suit is the way it is. Is because uh, it's for practicality reasons, but it's also through uh, celebration of fandom and you know Easter eggs. And I'll also mention one thing, which was probably the funniest thing was um, my the actor who played Batman in the film, Danny Chase. He asked me, I, I, "I don't mind having restraint in my neck and I can't move it or whatever, but can I please go to the toilet in it?" I'm like, "Fine, we'll build a zipper." <laughs> We will build a zipper into the suit. Just like what Christian Bale wants. Yeah, it's exa- yeah, and uh, uh, it, the request was uh, was uh, was done. <laughs> he okay, got a zipper in the suit. Good, good. Uh, along the lines of the actors, we were extremely curious because we know that you're located in the UK. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the main actor playing the father English, or is he an American living in England? Um, he is a British-born Londoner, um, putting on an American accent. Well, wow. yeah. Incredible. Yeah, his American accent yeah. sounds better than Andrew's British accent. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying when I do it. <laughs> My shit's always in parody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're fired again. <laughs> oh, it's nice having Change you as host for five guess. minutes. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, no, Vin- that, is, that is impressive. Uh, yeah, Vincent is uh, a very talented man and talented actor and just mm-hmm. just a fantastic human being all around. And I was very fortunate to have him on board in the film. And I've always said this, and he hates me saying this, but he is, you know, he is the film for me. Like, oh, he, he is, is yeah. very much the heart and soul, as is Bella, of course, as well, which mm-hmm. is her first acting role, I should, well, uh, yeah, should mention, I noticed, which yeah. is, you know, just quite quite extraordinary um, already and she's got a, such a bright future ahead of her um, but with Vincent it was uh, a very great uh, piece of collaboration this film because ultimately he's playing a um, a father um, the father but he's also playing my own father who I didn't get to know so it's almost kind of very uh-huh. special kind of relationship there because I f- what I find really interesting about living in crime alley because people always ask me oh did i have an interesting relationship with my father and this that and the other and the you know as i explained to you guys at the beginning i didn't so for me as a as a creator it's interesting to kind of delve into that kind of what if scenario of you know would my father be like this person and would they act in this certain way um but then in many other ways I even question: Would my mother act in that uh, in that way either? Would she go mm. off and rob a liquor store or something? Um, <laughs> quite possibly, because she she's pretty tough. Um, so, yeah, um, but all that to one side, it, you know, there's awesome. a lot of questions that get you know raised and answered within this film. And as I said before, Vincent is very much the heart and soul of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely all our praise uh, to the mm-hmm. cast. And uh, yeah, because we were really not sure. We we're just like, he seems so American. Yeah. In this, mm-hmm. we forgot that it is probably shot in the UK during this because mm. it feels like you're there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, one of the unique things about this film in particular is that we didn't shoot in London. Mm. The initial idea was to film in London, but then. 
I don't know. Part of me just went, do you know what? Like it would, it's not like it's easy to film in London because it's not because there's like different <laughs> boroughs. Imagine. So you've, yeah. you've got mm. like different boroughs. So you've got to get permissions for all of that and everything. So, but also London is so photographed like, and we've seen it in the Dark Knight trilogy throughout, mm. you know, with, um, you know, certain places in central London um, being used. And I think even, I say even now, I know they are, they're filming The Flash in London. Um, yep. So mm-hmm. I thought it was actually, it was one of the things that makes the film kind of unique in its own right is that we filmed it entirely in the southwest of England, which, um, which is in Bristol. Mm. And um, I said southwest, I meant to just say west, so I don't know why I said that. Anyway, it's in the west of England. So Bristol um, is a very gothic city in its own right. And I found these, you know, beautiful areas to film in and my first assistant director in particular found this particular alleyway that we used for crime alley and it just you know it's there was no set decoration needed you just literally needed to go there and be like wow this is a i mean i, I heard one of you guys say it earlier but um swear earlier so i'll say it. it's a shithole so i was literally like yeah this is perfect for it i literally thought this is you know this is perfect location to use for a deprived area of Gotham. So I'm sorry to people yeah. from Bristol listening. Um, <laughs> They're like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you, they'd probably they'd probably watch it and go, actually, that's probably the most beautiful it's ever looked. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh man. I'm just saying. Just saying. Oh uh, man. They film Walking Dead in my hometown. If you want to go to a zombie <laughs> apocalypse, look yeah. no further. Oh wow. Oh man. Yeah. All right. so. Well, uh, awesome. If you guys have not checked it out already, what the hell are you doing watching us? Please check it out in the uh, description below and come back as we are, with this last question, going to transition into the rest of the topic. Of I had show. one more, too, actually. All right, well, go ahead. Uh, other films in the future. Are you part of the film? Are you a full time filmmaker now as well? or? Mm. Um, so, yes, I'm a writer director based in the UK. So, um, okay. I. I, I, I do short films, I do documentaries, um, some commercial stuff here and there, lots of corporate stuff, do music videos, uh, and I'm actually in the middle of right now uh, making my, well, I'm in pre-production of my debut feature film. Oh, uh, so this is a full own. rebirth you had via this film. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Pretty much. And, Incredible. Uh, Thanks. To, and, yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, I've decided I'm going to make a, a, a turn, an original idea that I've had for the last probably six or seven years and just finally you know get out there and actually make it happen and um and if there's anything that that we've learned over the last couple of years in particular with what's going on right now is that um we can't let these things hold us back we've kind of just kind of you know have this attitude of you know like we don't know what's going to happen next but we've got to keep trying and we've got to just have this attitude of just go in the right direction which should always be forward and for the love of god just don't be afraid to fail because that's right. the kind of mentality you've really got to have when you whenever you're making a film or whatever kind of project you're doing whether that's a film music or even like a business venture you know it's all about just taking that big leap of faith and uh don't look back so that's that's the the next thing in my um creative journey but um i will say this as well whether that's in fan film form or you know in my dream it would love to be in feature film form i will return to gotham one day <laughs> nice you heard it here everybody. Woo! that's awesome man yeah that's sweet very inspiring actually 
<laughs> so, hate to follow it up with this one, but <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that. sorry, I, like I uh, jumped there. <laughs> like end episode. Apologies. Drop the mic, Rob. Just drop the mic. <laughs> I, fire, I fire myself now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, now this is a solo act. Uh, uh, so we're going to transition into a lot of the main topics of the show because. We are also here to talk about the Jared Leto version of the Joker. So let's start with Rob. What is your opinion on the Jared Leto Joker? Do you know, my opinion on the Jared Leto Joker has kind of varied backwards and forwards. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, I totally forgot about that music video. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Like, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh my God, he was. He was just yep. on a boat. Yeah. That's literally all he did. I was like, I completely forgot about that. It just was like, wow, yeah, he really was just on a boat the whole time. Um, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I, without, because we don't know the full extent of the stories of, mm-hmm. you know, what happened on Suicide Squad, but clearly he was left on the cutting room floor. You know, there's stuff in the trailer mm-hmm. that we've seen and it's not there anymore. So clearly mm-hmm. there's stuff there that that's just been left in a you know maybe it's in warner brothers uh you know like the kind of the arc of something and it's left in area 51 or something of warner brothers you know in their Mm -hmm. archive system um who knows but i do feel sorry for jared leto's joker because i think it does get a bad rap Mm -hmm. i think some of his creative choices are bizarre yes Mm -hmm. but i'm glad he's not trying to be heath i'm glad he's not trying to be jack and I'm glad he's not trying to um, be Caesar Romero either. I, I, I'm, I, I mean, I would have loved him having a tash, but you know, there we go. Um, but, um, but there can only be one Romero who does that. Yes. Um, but I, I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. I think it, there are, as I said, there's some creative choices which is which don't work, but then there are choices which do work. I think Zack Snyder's Justice League does actually, re, you know, bring redemption to that performance, mm-hmm. especially with certain lines as well and certain moments as well. And that, mm-hmm. you know, it's quite extraordinary that they filmed that scene during the pandemic as well, because you know I didn't realize that Ben Affleck's Batman and uh, Jared Leto's joke and art in the same scene. It's just singles in yeah, different yeah. Er- in different locations, and mm-hmm. that in its own right is extraordinary. And to have those performances kind of gel as they do, because ideally you'd want them in the same space, so you have the actors listening True. to one another. So it is actually extraordinary to see that scene play out as it does, and it makes them the scene even more special. Really, mm-hmm. the fact they were able to pull it off and actually give us at least one good scene between these two good actors as well you know because mm-hmm. jared Lato is a very good actor mm-hmm. um i just think in terms of the direction from um david ayer i think he had problems maybe even reeling him in you know please don't send mm-hmm. condoms to to the, the <laughs> please don't send uh, dead rats to 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 will smith please don't send i don't know anything else that's you know, completely disgusting and really, you know, <laughs> unacceptable behavior. Even people would say, you know, like, come on, man, this is just like not right in the workplace. Right. You know, they can get away with it because they're actors. No, they can't. <laughs> no, they bloody can't. You know, if I was to do, like, if I worked in a bank and I went, oh, here you go, Margaret, here's a dead redhead, everybody would go mental. <laughs> in Jared Leto's case, in Jared Leto's case, it was, oh, he's method acting, which. You know, look, there's there's a fine line between method acting and being a 
total idiot, in my opinion. And I'm sorry, that's <laughs> yes. just that's just going too far. Mm-hmm. So my opinion is is that I think Jared Leto's ra- uh, Joker does get a bad rap. I do like certain elements to it, but I do think fundamentally it is flawed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Zach, Whew. your thoughts All right. on Jared Leto. Uh, I also agree that I do think <laughs> I do think that he was redeemed in the Snyder Cut of Justice League. I feel like I don't know. I didn't mm. have any gripes about him during that, and I I think it has to do with writing and direction for the most part. I mean, there is some dialogue and behavior from him in Suicide Squad that just is beyond me. Where it's not really like the Joker, and it's it's very cringeworthy. But I think he he's not the only character, obviously, to... Uh, his character is not the only one that has suffered due to the writing and just the mess that is Suicide Squad, as it is. But I have grown to like him uh, somewhat visually. Uh, I know you guys know that I'm doing the portraits of all the cinematic Jokers right now, and I'm choosing to do a portrait of him from mm-hmm. Suicide Squad because I feel like that's kind of the look I was going for. I am omitting the tattoos, but everything else is pretty much the same. Like, I I really like the idea that it was, um, I don't know, it's almost kind of like an update of Jack Nicholson's Joker, where he's very flashy, I guess, and uh, extravagant, kind of over the top, but I didn't, I didn't like the whole, like, SoundCloud rapper elements that they were adding to him and i know people talk about the <laughs> the teeth supposed Ugh. to be a grill but the appliance that we use that was used throughout most of the film is most certainly a grill it's it's open-faced it doesn't look like he's had dental work it just looks like a you know a piece of jewelry uh but there is a couple scenes where it's like solid metal and i think that's kind of a cool idea but yeah he's a. Uh, He's interesting. He definitely is my least favorite Joker uh, interpretation within Suicide Squad. I wish that there was more of him acting the way that he did in the Snyder Cut. You know, it's a completely different film. There may be a reason that he's cut out of most of Suicide Squad. Maybe maybe there's a lot of scenes that weren't uh, working for everybody. So um, it's interesting. It is, to me, it's, it is a weird footnote in... DC history because it's the only version of the Joker I can think of that's kind of flopped to me that is a character that every time he's been in a yeah. film it's like he steals the show he is you know enigmatic oh, it's Jared Leto's in there with you right now um, but he's hearing what we're talking yeah. about he just uh, came in. he's been enigmatic <laughs> His ghost has the damage tattoo. It, just, uh, it was kind of a flop, I think. Uh. It was just so strange to me that it, mm-hmm. I, d- I don't understand how such a misstep could have happened. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into it even more throughout the episode. Uh, we will. And also, Rob, if you're not familiar with Zach's work, Zach uh, is not only a talented Joker voice, but he's also a talented Joker artist. He did this column of Jokers you can see behind uh, Andrew right here. It's Thank beautiful. you. It's really lovely work. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, give no, you a yeah. sneak awesome. peek. This is not on uh, Instagram yet, but I did finish the first of the series, which is the Oh, oh shit. That's awesome, man. That is that's Thank superb. You. That is I know. so talented. Superb. And I know that's your favorite one, Rob. <laughs> yeah, it is. I have to say, yeah. I mean, I as blasphemous as this sounds, like I. 
I just remember we had that discussion on the clubhouse mm-hmm. chat. It was, you know, it was either Heath Ledger or Joaquin Phoenix. But having watched it again, I was just like, actually, Phoenix made me feel for him. Mm. And I hated him, but I also felt for him. And then I liked him because he was somewhat charming. And then I hated him again. And then I was, <laughs> but then I felt sorry for him again. And it's, and it's funny because you mentioned about the the multiple people that have played Joker. Like I think Joker now is going to be like one of the. It's it's going to be like a Shakespearean character, like Hamlet. Mm-hmm. There are going to be multiple people that will play this role, and there will be, you know, ones that will probably most likely won't talk about as such because you know it's very Mm. obscure and then there's the ones that will really stick out you know like um you know we always remember people like um sir patrick stewart or even ian mckellen doing shakespeare and you know Mm. you know because they're the big names but they're the ones that have actually made a statement with that role so and it's going to be the same now with with joker yep so absolutely andrew your thoughts on I mean, yeah, he, I, I feel the same as you guys. He's the worst live action one, but <clears throat> I wonder if like some of those Wall Street guys we talked about came in and ruined Ayer's vision because if you look at Ayer's previous work, it's all really, really good. Mm-hmm. Something happened here. And uh, Leto, or Leto, Jared Leto, he, <clears throat> I mean, I don't like the, the damage tattoo at all, but other than that, I... I like the gator uh, trench coat thing, the purple gator skin thing. Yeah, I think that's cool. It, it, yeah, it's different from all the other Jokers. If they just removed the tattoo, I could pretty much accept it, even the mm. grill. And and actors are often they're the victim of their own movie. Like, there's so much they don't control also. And uh, I, I mean, even though he seemed to be doing lots of stuff behind the scenes that we don't agree with... Um, you know, whenever he's in front of the camera, it's really magnetic mm-hmm. in, in, in Suicide Squad. It's really like, even though he's the worst, it's still like he's he's definitely doing something that was very appealing on screen and, and very like kind of catch your eye. Like I remember his stuff, I think probably the most out of out of everything in Suicide Squad, honestly. Uh, I'd love to see the Ayer cut someday if they ever do that. Um, please go see Fury if you haven't. Or uh, End of Watch. Those are excellent movies by Ayer. Um, and uh, I guess that's about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It could have been much better, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I do agree with everything that's been said. In some ways, he is a victim of the material because I'm convinced that if, in an alternate universe, Heath yep. Ledger gets cast as a Joker in Suicide Squad but has the same exact script, yeah, yeah, we would not be saying the same stuff about Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh yeah, for in sure. In terms of just the dialogue yeah. and everything that he's been given, like there's yeah. only so much that you can do. With I'm just yeah. when you're watching it, I sometimes I watch it not just from the perspective of the actor, but also from just like how would this look on the page? And I look at the page and I'm just like, yeah, there's only so much you can do with some of that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either not saying that it was all terrible, but it, it is in some ways. Yeah, it is one of the least memorable versions, but that's because of the material. At least yeah. what we were presented in the theatrical cut is the most is the least memorable of it, and I I also think that one of the things that cripples the Leto Joker, in my opinion, is something that is a strength of Ledger's Joker that people don't talk about. Everyone talks about how Ledger's Joker is frightening and yeah. scary and this force of nature, but one of the more underrated things that people don't talk about is that Heath Ledger is fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's in funny. the Dark Knight. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I really appreciated that because I was worried going into the Dark Knight that this was all going to be very like Saw R-rated Dark yeah. Edge Lord yeah. Joker. Yeah. No humor whatsoever. And then he's like making you crack up even when he puts yeah. a pencil through a guy's eye. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's the Joker. That's yeah. the Joker I want. And yeah. at no point did I ever really feel like Leto's Joker was funny. That's or a, really yeah. had much of a sense of humor. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or if it did was a sense of humor, it was like a weird sense of humor of like, you know, you know that one guy who just laughs at shit that you're just like, I don't know why that's funny. But okay. <laughs> like that's that's kind of what it evoked to yeah. me in comparison. And I, I think it's sort of weird looking at that in, in that perspective and saying, oh, like that's, I think that's the element that's missing okay. is that he doesn't really come across as funny and doesn't come across as super scary. He's just kind of very in the middle. And very eccentric mm. and weird. I see. Yeah, which makes him not really super threatening, but also not super funny either. So that's why he kind of falls right in the middle. Right. So that's my opinion on but it. But you did say this is a good point. Yeah. Out of all the live action Jokers, his strength, and this is because it was written this way from the ground up. Mm-hmm. He's the most. You could see him having a Harley Quinn the most. I've brought this up too. So yeah. in terms of strength, out of all the Jokers, maybe Jack Nicholson, but obviously Harley wasn't around at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is true. Out actually, of all the Jokers, yeah, maybe yeah. Because t- Leto's is the most seductive Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout it, and I'll bring bring this up later. Uh, he's the one who you can see there being a Harley Quinn. I can't really see Ledger's Joker having a Harley Quinn. No at way. least more, no more than like two seconds before he's just like, "All right, I'm going to kill you now." Yeah, <laughs> I can't see him at, yeah. at all having a Harley. <laughs> uh, but this one definitely, mm-hmm. and uh, I was also really appreciative of the fact that Snyder was able to get him on for Justice League just so that we can get a scene because we might not even be getting any more than that. That might be the last yeah. time we ever see those versions. We'll see. But anyway, let's go into our deep dive into the Joker stuff. So I'm going to go a little bit into the comic history as relevant to the Jared Leto version. And feel free to chime in, guys, on any of these opinions or anything that you might not have known. So just like what we did with the Lex Luthor and Jesse Eisenberg uh, episode, we're going to go through the Joker history in the comics, specifically in how it relates to the Jared Leto version, before we end up going into Jared Leto's actual performance and all the insight into all the different things he did to Method Act, (laughs) as Robin brought up. So um, There's a rat in this panel, look. There was definitely a rat involved. So I'll, okay. I'll leave it at that. There's more later. So Joker was introduced in the comics in Batman number one by Bill Finger, Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson in 1940, same year that Lex Luthor was created. So it's kind of funny that their arch nemeses were created in the same exact year. It's awesome. Uh, Robinson is the one widely considered to be the main creator, and it's his original design, or either his or Kane's design of the Joker card, that makes it into the nightmare sequence. There is some debate on the creation of the Joker, right? This is probably yeah. a whole other episode in and of itself. But yeah, yeah. Mainly Robinson is the main name, right? It seems like it, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. At least he was the last surviving one to have some you know, consulting on uh, The Dark Knight, I believe. Wasn't Kane like, I was all me for, for a <laughs> yeah, while? He said <laughs> Kane used to say that a Joker We've got was into based that off of his face. Or he drew him like... It's, it's like mainly his me. face was more gaunt at the time <laughs> yeah. or thinner when he was younger. He's like, oh, yeah. I always thought I looked mm-hmm. a little like the Joker. I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, was that but, right at Coney Island, too, right? Uh, well, I mean, look at Conrad Veidt and the yeah. man who laughs. Oh, that, too, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's yeah. pretty much like you can't deny that. Yeah, it's undeniable, yes. So, uh, anyway, it's the original design for the Joker card that makes it into the Snyderverse with 
Joker pulling it out as a sign of the truce, and Batman carrying it on his machine gun, as we saw in Batman vs. Superman. Which I really enjoyed that aspect, because uh, it's the most faithful, I guess, carryover from the comics, of the Joker card, specifically. So, yeah. uh, I really like that. Jumping but ahead... What ter- but, but can I just say, what a terrible way to carry that playing card, though. Because if you lose <laughs> that gun... Then you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing I pointed out straight away when someone said, oh yeah, the card's there now, now it's on the gun, now it makes sense. I'm like, yeah, but what if he loses the gun? And then, like, you know, if you drop it down for one second and, I don't know, like, the wind just blows it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a gun, I know. Like, it yeah. wouldn't blow away because of the wind. I'm just exaggerating. <laughs> but what if someone takes the gun and goes... Oh, no, no, that's my gun because it's got the card on it. It's like, well, can't you just pick up another gun? It's like, no, no, it has to be that one. <laughs> I want to see that scene. That yeah, needs right. to be a scene in a future movie where someone picks up Batman's gun and it's like, no, 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 no one picks up my gun. All right, you see, it's a sign gun. of the truce that I have yeah. the Joker. <laughs> I um, plus you hated guns. I honestly, think, that's beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's retroactive. I believe that it'd be, in the beginning that was supposed to be a trophy that he had killed the joker uh whenever they first did like what the nightmare right. version of batman then they probably went back and were like you know what let's make him his his uh his little truce card for his partner i don't know something about that always made me feel like it was something yeah because th- it would have been off-putting if you ended justice league with batman killing the joker and getting his card and putting it as yeah. a trophy on the machine gun <laughs> i just don't think that would have worked as well a little bit out of character <laughs> i mean i know we're taking liberties oh so. yeah nightmare well yeah, yeah that's true mm. I was just uh, going to say, we all know what Snyder yes. is capable of. You know, <laughs> yes. like, he it, I mean, b- believe me, I will fucking kill you. Not going to lie, badass line, but we all mm-hmm. know that he would have done it yeah. if he had the chance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, mm-hmm. he would have done yeah. it. Uh, jumping ahead, it wasn't until 1950 that we got kind of an origin story for the Joker, thanks to Bill Finger in the story, The Man Under the Red Hood, saying that he was a criminal known as the Red Hood with a huge red bowl on his head, not the salad bowl that, that we talked about. That bowl on his head. Jake Eric, but Where did that red bowl. red bowl come from, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. It looks info like a, on that? It looks like It looks, it looks like yeah, Mr. Priest's helmet was just spray-painted red. It's like... It's true. That's true, Yes. <laughs> So in That's the probably comic, what it was, to be honest with you. <laughs> in the comic, he dives into a waste basin where all the chemicals are being emptied out, and he came out looking like the Joker. Now, it's implied that the Leto Joker took the same type of chemical bath in yeah. Suicide Squad, since his skin appears to be permanently white, and he takes Harleen Quinzel to Ace Chemicals, which she will later blow up in the Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. Uh, though, it's never actually explicitly stated in the movie that he dove in there himself, but we can kind of see that it's implied. It seems like it, it's yeah. Ace Chemicals. Yeah. Uh, on that note, I wanted to throw this out there because there's an interesting mystery I think that people don't bring up with Ace Chemicals, which is where, in your minds, if you think about, did Ace Chemicals first appear? Open floor. Ace Ooh. Chemicals? Where, where did it... F- Ace Chemicals, did it first Chemicals, admit- yeah, where Joker first jumps in. Where did the it comics. first showed up? I mean, this sounds like it's later than we expect, huh? The Man. 70s? I kind of want to say 89. I feel like they kind of came up with it then. I, mm. I mean, am I wrong? It was, uh, probably, I'm probably it was wrong. It was Axis in 89. Exactly. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is Axis. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I don't think yeah, it right. came from... Exactly. Uh, I was going to say the animated series, but I can't remember if it was ever called Ace in the comics. I know in the, what, the Man Under the Red Hood, it was like the Monarch Playing Car Company was next door. 
Are we talking like mm-hmm. the killing joke? Was it Ace and that? Yep. All right, so let's go into it because this causes a lot of debate, as you see, well. in terms of where it shows up. If you look on just Wikipedia, they're saying like, oh, it shows up in The Man Under the Red Hood. It does not. What shows up in The Man Under the Red Hood is him jumping into the basin. Are you saying Wikipedia is the... wrong? <laughs> Mind blown. Uh, <laughs> it's next to the Monarch Playing Card Company, like Zach said, because specifically Joker comes out, looks like the Joker, and he's like, well, it was next to the Monarch Playing Card Company, so I'm going to name myself after a card, and I look like a Joker, so therefore I'm going to be the Joker. Ace Chemicals was never mentioned in The Man Under the Red Hood. In the comics, it first appears, it seems like, in 1988's The Killing Joke. But there's another wrinkle on this, which is that two years earlier, in 1986, Sam Hamm wrote the first draft to what would become Batman 89. And in that script, it wasn't called Access Chemicals. It was called Ace Chemicals. Oh, so shit. So, wow. chronologically, 1986 is when Sam Hamm writes Ace Chemicals into the script. There's another wrinkle in this, too, which is why I'm just like, this is a mystery. Because <laughs> Sam Hamm also had access to the original comic scripts for The Killing Joke. Oh, yeah. And even oh, wow. had lines from The Killing Joke in one of his original drafts, even though it was cut later from the movie. Uh, but he loved The Killing Joke, as we've talked about in previous uh, episodes. Alan Moore even had a lunch with Tim Burton yeah. uh, about it. But, get Gotham right. Yeah, get Gotham right, is what I told yeah. him. They certainly did. Mm. Uh, but it it's kind of adds more to this mystery where just like either Sam Hamm came up with it, and I think more likely what happens is Alan Moore comes up with it, puts it in the comic. Sam Hamm's like, oh, that's the name of the chemical plant when he sees the comic script puts it into his script in 1986, and then for some reason it gets changed into Axis Chemicals for the movie. So you posit that it comes from Alan Moore? I think it probably comes from Alan Moore, yeah. Okay. Wow. More than likely. Okay, yeah. another contribution. Yes. Uh, so also notable in this time period in the comics, in 88, of course, was also The Death in the Family, where Joker killed Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did a whole episode just on everything you don't know about The Death in the Family, uh, as well as the fact that Robin's death was hinted at in The Dark Knight Returns before we saw it in The Death in the Family. But as we covered in our Secret Origins of Ben Affleck's Batman episode, it doesn't quite turn out the way it did in the comics, because in the Snyderverse, Joker didn't kill Jason Todd. He killed Dick Grayson, according to Snyder himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and according to the behind-the-scenes stories, as we talked about in that episode, Joker set him on fire along with Wayne Manor. Uh, so, and we yeah, speculated. That's rough. I speculated that Joker left him alive just long enough under fire to spray paint the jokes on you Batman message on him and for Robin to quote-unquote die in Batman's arms, as he says in Justice League. So I kind of feel like Jason Todd got the better end of that, where he just got a quick, got blown up as opposed to getting burnt yeah. close to death yeah. and then have Joker spray paint shit on him. So... Uh, also discussed in that episode is that Suicide Squad director David Ayer's idea was that Batman knocked Joker's teeth out in retaliation for Joker killing Robin. And that's why he has the smile tattoo on his hand to make up for the smile, uh, as well as the damage tattoo on his forehead to sort of mock Batman saying that, you know, you damaged my face. <laughs> if they'd shown a little bit more of that, it would have been like, oh, okay, I can accept this. Yeah, the, yeah. but they didn't. Uh, yeah. I, I did find some precedent in the comics for something like this with not the metal teeth, but him getting his teeth knocked out. In Birds of Prey, number 124, called Smile for the Birdie, written by Tony Bedard, pencils by Claude St. Alban, and inks by John Floyd, uh, he gets his teeth knocked out, not by Batman, but by Barbara Gordon. Nice. Seems like a nice nice revenge after the killing joke. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Barbara seems to use an Escremis stick in order to do that, uh, and even some point out the shape of the broken teeth in the panel seem to actually match what they did with the grill and Lettos because you can see some 
real teeth and some metal teeth in that. So uh, interesting. I'll leave that for you guys to judge. We'll put those images in the show notes so that you can take a look at that. So as discussed in our Batfleck episode, in Ayer's original timeline, Leto's Joker was meant to have killed Robin, then landed in Arkham where he got the tattoos and the grill, and then he met Harleen Quinzel. In the film, however, they changed it all around. It says that Harley Quinn was the accomplice in Robin's death, which means that Joker already had the metal teeth and tattoos before beating Harley, and then they killed Robin together. David Ayer is on record blaming Jeff Johns for this, like we said in the Batfleck episode. Oh, man. (laughs) Those who were once heroes in the comics field. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself. Dude, that is the most real but most pessimistic uh, line ever, but it, even though it's pessimistic, uh, doesn't mean it's not true. Like that—that oh that line is basically saying, even though if you're a great hero for a long time, you're going to disappoint everybody eventually. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Or you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, you're going to you're going to die before that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's stick to the original Eric timeline on this. Arkham Asylum is likely where Joker got his tats, and on his right bicep, there is a tattoo of an arrow killing a bird, specifically a robin. So that's a reference, obviously, to that. Uh, We'll dive into why Joker has tattoos later in this episode. But I just wanted to ask up front to everyone, do you have have opinions on (laughs) Joker having tattoos? I guess we can start with Rob. Ay, ay, ay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Zach. Uh, so one of the... <laughs> yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Next. Uh, no, um, um, I, I, there are certain elements to it that I like. Uh-huh. You know, there, there are certain elements to it. Because I, I think, as uh, you said, Zach, like, there are certain elements of the look that are actually quite appealing. To Jared Leto's Joker, there are actually like the one of the things I think um, I'm not sure if one of you guys pointed that, so do please forgive me. But um, I like the fact that he plays this kind of clown prince of crime character. You know, that's kind of the real you know first time we've seen that kind of. I mean, I suppose to an extent we've got the gangster from you know '89, um, then you've got the the terrorist kind of persona of Leto's, and mm-hmm. you've got the clown literally from Romero. But here we've got kind of this crime clown prince of crime gangster Mm -hmm. uh perception and i think in many ways um this is a an interesting kind of blend of how do we bring this character into a modern age and i think they what they do is they kind of went in a form of stereotyping in that you know oh you know criminals have tattoos of course they do you know kind of thing so that's what it kind of came across to me anyway as so when i Mm -hmm. saw the tattoos the first one obviously that sticks out like a sore thumb which is like if you ever said to somebody oh yeah let's be really subtle yeah let's put damage on forehead shall we (laughs) there's there's your subtlety right there you know that's you know, and even Aya has even said since that's the one regret he's had about making that film, which fundamentally I would say, well, any more regrets? Um, but no, I mean, look, look, the one regret is the tattoo of subtle, you know, of a tattoo of subtle. Imagine that was a tattoo. Subtle. That would have been better. Yeah. That would have been better. Subtle. That's yeah. funny. That would have been yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. The damage, but I, you know, there are certain tattoos. I do like the Robin, like as you said, like the arrow mm-hmm. one. I actually like mm-hmm. the the smile one yeah. like you were saying earlier like the reason why we don't probably identify with this joke or even like this joke necessarily is because he's not really that funny there's one scene i did like with him in where he's talking to somebody in a in a bar and he does the smile but instead of using his own smile oh, yeah. he does the mm-hmm. mouth and i mm-hmm. found that quite 
unique actually to see that to actually see this quite hideous looking tattoo of a grin on mm. his hand like that and I did think actually do you know what that's pretty cool yeah. that's really cool and quite intimidating as well because what's more terrifying seeing somebody with the metal teeth thing but then to have a nice-ish kind of tattoo of a smile on your hand to kind of downplay the the awfulness of, of his look and also gives kind of an interesting kind of take on Joker being very self-conscious of his image which I never mm. thought would be kind of addressed mm. but it is sort of addressed with Leto's Joker so on the I would fundamentally say I would be against the tattoos but the one element of it having the, you know on his hand and everything is mm -hmm. is somewhere it does work well mm. and the only movie that I can think of where they utilize tattoos really well is the movie Memento so course, you know yeah. if they really yeah. wanted to really kind of play on that you know this idea of i mean not him losing his memory or anything that because that would just be weird <laughs> um although technically speaking we don't know who jo joker is in this do we so you know that could have been something but that's what yeah. happened to guy pierce after he became the joker yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually that could have worked oh. yeah oh yeah he's, yeah he's looking down it's like joker oh uh, <laughs> But no, but they, I, I like the idea that some of the tattoos do have a story to tell in their own right. I just think having, you know, it's like uh, the lead singer of Maroon 5 being the Joker. He's just covered <laughs> in tattoos and you're just yeah. looking at him and thinking, well, first of all, why have you got Los Angeles tattooed across your stomach? Like, because in case you forget where you grew up or where you live. <laughs> like, I'm not going to put, let's be honest, I'm not going to put... I'm not going to put Leytonstone across my belly because first of all, <laughs> Leytonstone in in London is you know a very there's that word again. It's a shithole. So I'm not going to put shithole. I might as well put shithole on my stomach. So yeah, and it's the same with what I was saying before, like subtlety. Just put subtle. That probably would have been, as you said, it would have been funnier. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. if you know, I all I'm saying is is that the tattoos needed to tell more of a story for it to be impactful but at the moment that they come across as cheap um and forced in trying to convey something which is already right in front of us you know and like i said the hand tattoo thing i think is interesting but mm -hmm. that's my take on his tattoos anyway sure. zach yeah they're very tacky I would say is mm. uh, his tattoos are. I like what you said about his vanity, though, because I do feel like they really um, they tried to kind of get that point across with Nicholson's iteration of the character too. Like he was a very vain individual before he mm -hmm. was the Joker, and even as he was the Joker, I can tell all of his costume changes. Uh, he's still very much into loving himself, really. So he's very narcissistic. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of opposite of Ledger, who obviously didn't take care of himself at all. Uh, Does not look like. Yeah, I can that. see that with. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, but yeah. with yeah, with uh, with Leto, like everything's like very, very flashy. Um, but yes, yeah, still, still tacky. I think it would have been better if he maybe just had one really big tattoo on his back, like in the uh, what was it, All Star Batman and Robin? Mm -hmm. Oh yes. It was supposed to be yes. like the the Frank Miller Joker mm -hmm. still. So mm -hmm. I think it would have been really cool if it was just that Robin with the like switchblade through it on his back. And you see it like one time and I was like, Oh, that's, that would be really kind of cool. And, uh, and also scary, but yeah, it's the amount of tattoos that kind of come off as just 
a little bit trashy and uh and so many of them are just self-referential mm-hmm. it's not like mm-hmm. all of them are telling the story it's like joker haha haha i got the like smiles everywhere <laughs> and, and i i like the jester one uh the skeleton jester mm-hmm. head that one's kind of cool but yeah the ones on his face are just irredeemable he doesn't need <laughs> to have anything on his face it's uh mm-hmm. i think we talked about this before maybe with the either the last the eisenberg lex episode or uh Maybe when we talked about Affleck's Batman, but this is a character who has become like scarred in a way, or at least physically transformed. He part of you know why he's driven insane within the comics is because his appearance has been altered to look like a clown, and that drove him insane. So why would this guy that's already gone through this transformation feel the need to like further that transformation with? like tattoos on his face it just seems a little mm. bit off i don't know it's, it's that's a character choice that i don't agree with but like i said if it was that one on his back maybe we see it one time when it has a shirt off i think that would have been kind of kind of cool and uh and dark if it was just that one i think that's really cool actually i think i think that would have been really i think that would have told the entire story in itself as you said just in like a robin on his back as you said with the switchblade thing they only nailed it one thing that i was just thinking of when you mentioned that was because remember in uh batman vs superman this whole thing about branding people imagine yeah i mean i i like the notion that he broke his teeth i think that's great or even barbara gordon breaking his teeth but what if you played up that whole brand thing and had him over the heart because uh. you know you know, that's, you know, mm-hmm. Joker sees, you know, it's, you know, Heath Ledger's, you know, you complete me moment type thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could have had the bat yeah. brand over his heart because, you know, that would have been, I mean, even if it wasn't branded, but like a tattoo in its own right, because that would have cemented that that's what Joker's true, well, kind of love interest in a way, mm-hmm. you could say. Yes. It really is. It's yeah. his fixation. That's... Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what he's really fixated on is is the is the man himself. It's the Batman. So I think that would have been more of a mm-hmm. powerful tattoo or scarring in some way. I think. Zach, you can now do the redesigned version of the Leto Joker based off of our ideas. <laughs> <after this episode. laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'll do an I'll do an illustration of him from the back, like turned around with that thing. Uh, the tattoo on him. I don't know. Like I said, I just feel like maybe the people that were involved with this didn't really know a lot about him or I mean they obviously it's okay to take liberties with a character especially like the Joker because every Mm -hmm. new interpretation should be different it should be new we didn't want to see Leto dressed up like Ledger that's not really Mm -hmm. respectful and it's not Mm -hmm. bringing his it's you know he's not able to bring his own thing his own uh, interpretation to the character but uh, in the book like the Suicide Squad making of book or the I, maybe it's the art of Suicide Squad, something like that. I do own it because I, I don't know. I'm a completionist. I have to have like all this stuff. <laughs> but I see it. Uh, there's a lot of concept art. And mm-hmm. honestly, he's got even more tattoos in the concept art than he does yeah, on film. Yes. Oh, wow. There's one of him in his underwear where he's got it on his legs and stuff. But I'm like, I just can't imagine the Joker being that way. But, you know, it's a, it's a different interpretation. Mm. I don't really have that much of a problem with any of the tattoos except for the damaged one. He could be fully tattooed <laughs> yeah. to his neck. I love the bicep one with the with the robin yeah. and all that. Uh, yeah, if it had more 
like if tattoos told a story that's that's not damaged, mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with it. I have no problem at all, really. <laughs> yeah. It's just that singular thing that totally ruins it. As people said in 2016, but how am I supposed to know that he's damaged? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I do agree with you on it where I'm just like, I don't mind the ones on his body. I, I do think the biggest thing that would have helped this is if we had a flashback of Leto as traditional Joker getting his teeth pounded out mm, by Affleck. Mm, like, then yeah. you see the new Absolutely, version. Absolutely, yeah. And then you're just like, oh, I get why he looks like that. And then every, I think everyone's on board with that. Like, once you tell people he's got the metal teeth because Affleck punched his teeth in due yeah. to the death of Robin, everyone's just like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, nobody's yeah. just like, that's a stupid explanation. Like, everybody likes that explanation. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, that's great. Too bad we didn't fucking see it. Yeah. <laughs> when you should actually have it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So... That's uh, that's one of the big things that I think they should have done. They should have shown that, especially given how much in you know the Snyderverse that informs Batman's state of mind. And yeah, just laughing Superman. maniacally while getting beaten the shit out of. Yeah, like yeah. I, I feel oh, like yeah. we're missing yeah. the actual death of the family sequence that would have made us a little bit more on board for where both Batman and Joker are at when we first meet them in okay. this universe. Yeah, but we didn't get that. So anyway. Uh, back to the time. No room, no room in that film for that fun stuff. <laughs> no, instead we had to have uh, music video type stuff. Should have the boat. Add the boat to this yeah. movie. <laughs> Who cares at this oh. point? We must have Will Smith shooting targets to Kanye for about five minutes, please. <laughs> oh, That's right. God. <laughs> uh, all right. So back to the timeline. Joker ends up, of course, as we saw, manipulating Harleen Quinzel and Arkham into giving him access to a machine gun, apparently, and ends up putting her through electroshock therapy. Now, it's implied in the extended cut of Suicide Squad that Harleen, this is all in revenge because Harleen put him through electroshock therapy, and Joker brings up that she erased some of his own past memories. Okay. Which implies that maybe this would have been his life before he was the Joker, and now he forgets everything. This is comic book slash movie thinking here, where... uh electroshock therapy will you know reformat your hard drive of your brain that's that's what's going on well apparently it works in terms of uh turning her into harley quid yeah and uh this revenge could also be why joker says that he's gonna hurt her you know really really bad in Mm -hmm. the movie uh overall though the harley quinn origin and suicide squad obviously an adaptation of the paul dini and bruce tim storyline mad love before dini brought her into the main comic continuity during the No Man's Land arc in 1999, which we also covered uh, on here last year is in our thematic tie-ins to the COVID situation. Yeah. Uh, but I also thought I'd note something that most people don't point out, which is that a lot of people forget Jared Leto uh, is older than Ben Affleck. He was 45 at the time of uh, the Suicide Squad's release. Margot Robbie was 26. He's got the there's, Paul Rudd gene. There's a 19 year difference. Yeah, he's drinking the the blood of the youth. I think yeah, we talked he, about one. He's time. really Morbius and uh, yeah, he really some is blood. Morbius. Yeah, yeah. Um, something's going on. There's there, a 19 year age difference between uh, Leto and Margot Robbie, and this is age difference is actually implied in No Man's Land. Oh, uh, nice. In the comic, The Code, written by Bronwyn Taggart, pencils by Tom Morgan, and inks by David Roach, a potential suitor for Harley says Joker is quote old, old enough to be your dad. So that's Sounds something. Yeah. I don't think that that was uh, necessarily something that we got in the cartoon. We never got the sense that he was that much older than her. I don't think that's not necessary for that type of yeah, show. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in the comics, there's yeah. all this history anyway with the Joker that it kind of yeah. makes sense. 
yeah, that he would be a lot older than her. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting that it is kind of somewhat comic accurate to have Leto be about 19 to 20 years older than Margot Robbie on this. Uh, I point this out as well because a lot of fan theories were that Jared Leto was not the real Joker, but was Jason Todd as the Joker. <laughs> that was the people would not let that go. For just the like longest everyone time. wanted Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor to be the son of <laughs> Brian Cranston's Lex Luthor. But, but, but he's, he's definitely he's officially Lex Jr. Though, right? That's an official thing. That's true. He is officially Lex Jr. Whereas Jared Leto's Joker, there was. You know, he was in three minutes of Suicide Squad. So if you want to interpret him as a Jason Todd as a Joker, then you could. I we guess. have a real forty-five-year-old Robin at that point <laughs> we as do, well. Yeah. Not just Chris O'Donnell. Not just Chris O'Donnell. A real forty-five-year-old Robin. <laughs> I kind of want that now. Forgot casting a kid. He's got to be forty-five years old uh, as Robin. If he got a Robin tattoo as Robin, and then I know. Added to that tattoo after becoming Joker. I he don't know. Need now to be, my he doesn't need to be in the tights. He needs to just have an, a Robin symbol on his chest, and he's just walking around with a green <laughs> speedo. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> why I not? Just see point? that scene playing out right now. <laughs> Batman, I'm a 40 year old man, and you're making me wear shorts still, man. Like I'm in these shorts. Why the fuck are you doing this to me? And why are you making this stupid Robin costume? I'm 40 years old. I'm still older than you, Robin. You take it or leave it. I need a good target. Yes. (laughs) You look cool. What are you talking about? Uh, So, back to Joker and Harley. Later in the relationship, we saw in Suicide Squad, Joker convinced Harleen to jump into the chemicals, which was something Harley did in the New 52 comics as opposed to the animated series where she just put on makeup and we saw plenty of her as, you know, regular Harleen Quinzel. Right. Funny enough, in the comics, Joker pushes her in the vat as opposed to the origin and suicide squad where she jumps on her own accord and as we noted in the amazing animated harley quinn show they kind of did both where harley yeah. always thought that joker pushed her but when she goes back into her memory mm-hmm. she finds out she actually jumped on her own accord right the jared little joker may be associated the... <laughs> go ahead oh i was just gonna say the dialogue in that part is the cringiest to me maybe even cringier than <laughs> You know, handsome hunger, hunger, and the, the, you don't want no beef and all this stuff. It, it's whatever he's saying there. I can't remember what it is, but it is just like cringy. I'm like, this doesn't even sound like the Joker. Like, mm. you know, would you live for me and all this stuff? Mm. It just seems like mm. really it's melodramatic. It's, I was just gonna say it's what I was saying before. I f- it feels like well. <laughs> It feels like just a series of stereotypes. Like even the mm-hmm. hunger, hunger bit, which <laughs> part of me kind of felt like I was like watching Al Pacino in Heat or somebody. You know, like yeah. doing uh, yes, because she got a great ass. You know, yeah. I, was expecting it. I was kind of, ex- I was kind of expecting yeah. to do that at some yeah, point. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But it's That's yeah, true. like I said, it's just a play off of stereotypes. But you know, look, this is what happens when you've only got six weeks to write a script. <laughs> you you get this yeah. and mm-hmm. you've got no mm. so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's sure. but i agree that scene where it should be one of the most um heartbreaking but also quite romantic but also devastating scenes is comedic and it's not like supposed to be it's unintentionally yeah. mm-hmm. comedic because i remember watching it's like i remember watching suicide squad in the cinema and Sadly, there was more laughter in moments where there shouldn't have been, you know, and that moment you've mentioned right there is a perfect example of it, so, yeah. It's got that music video, like, or the music behind it, too, and it's just, 
Oh yeah. It is so bizarre. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I will say too, that I don't, this is like a little gripe and it's kind of like what Andrew always talks about. Uh, well, who, who gives a fuck who changes the Batmobile's wheels? Yes. Yeah. I think that the chemicals are supposed to be the same chemicals that the Joker fell in. So why is Harley's hair not green? Is one that's something I always think about. Also, or, if he's taking another dip in, how is he not greener and more white afterwards? Yeah, will it not burn off his tattoos? And it's like, I don't know. Man, what, she just doesn't seem like she's in there work. very long. I don't know. It's weird. And then I thought, well, what if his hair isn't green? What if it just bleached his hair too and he dyes it green? Then I can kind of get behind it because I remember reading somewhere that oh, Harley's hair is blonde, but it's permanently got blue and pink on the ends but eventually that's going to grow out that doesn't make sense so yeah. i don't know that's some great stupid was, gripe stuff for me <laughs> maybe he was using all the new improved joker products smiling. yes 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 that's yes. Right. yes i think that's what it was actually uh funny enough you mentioned that zach because i think alex ross always had the idea that joker falls into the chemicals and just his skin is bleached okay and everything yes. else is a product of his own design of the green hair and the red lips what about the rictus yep. grin well, it depends on that interpretation. Yeah, yeah, it's not permanent like it is with Nicholson most of the time. Okay, all right. Uh, let's see. Jared Leto <clears throat> is mainly associated with kind of the Snyderverse because of this year's Justice League, but we have to remember, technically, he, Snyder wasn't really the one who cast him. It was David Ayer and yes. Warner Brothers for Suicide Squad. Yes. But we could have gotten Zack Snyder's Joker before Suicide Squad because, as we covered in our Patreon episode for the unused BVS ideas, yes. according to Zack Snyder, the Joker was planned to appear in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice along with the Riddler. Uh, and my speculation is maybe Snyder had planned to show Robin's death at that point. Could have been, yeah. So, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but instead, it was down to David Ayer to cast the Joker, and funny enough, in concept art, which we'll put in the show notes, it looks like one person they used for the art was actor Mark Strong as the Joker, um, who was Sinestro in Green Lantern movies, Savannah in Shazam. He's in a shit ton of WB stuff. loves that guy. Mm. He's great. He must get along with everybody, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, again, this is concept art, so that doesn't necessarily mean that he was their number one choice. He could just be like, oh, like somebody to go off. Somebody of. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, according to industry trades, though, the first choice who was offered was Ryan Gosling. Weird. Gosling was offered and apparently balked at the idea of signing for multiple movies. I mean, joke's on him because Leto didn't even do multiple movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until the Snyder Cut. Um, and as we all know, though, the role did go to Jared Leto hot after winning the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, we're going to go into Leffitt's method acting stories. <laughs> um, but more than that, sort of the comic books that relate to his Joker and the specific Joker he's trying to convey. And we'll take that after the break. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Some call it corn, we call it therapy. We're adults with the virility of men. Want to hear us read snack food copy and talk about Japanese chips? Too bad! Join us every month or so on the Greenlight Podcast Network. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. 
As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches! Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Hey, Batman, shit's gone down real fast. We need the Justice League to help out the Teen Titans right now. Okay, we can get to that, but first, what the fuck are you wearing? You used to wear an actual fucking suit, but now you're wearing a black t-shirt with the red S? Is that what we're going with now? Well, yeah, I mean, I figured it would save time. It saves time, but this is, I mean, this is worse than the glasses with Clark. This is fucking ridiculous. You look fucking literally no different than any other fucking time. I have to put on a fucking gauntlets, gloves, panties, boots. Wait, 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 did you just say panties? Yes, bad panties. Okay. An underbelt. The symbol actually goes on top of the chest piece. My cape, the cowl, the ears into the cowl. Okay, well. And a lot more than that. Not to mention everything that goes into the utility belt, shark repellent, bolos, and other shit. I might be stepping out of line here, Batman, but it sounds like you're just a little jealous. I'm not jealous. I think it's stupid. Okay, well, uh, you... Do you not even care about your secret identity anymore? You gonna contact the Justice League? I mean, we could talk about this another time. Shit's gone down real bad in Central City. I need to figure this out right now before we go. People are dying, but uh, okay. This was supposed to be a two-second visit, but I guess we're talking about this. It's their fault. Wow, okay. Victim blaming. I see where things have gone now. Under Armour, at least. This is your, this is jeans, too, with fucking... What, just wear some fucking khakis. Where's your fucking uh, Jimmy Buffett hat? You know, wh- where the fuck is that? This is stupid. Well, since I have powers, I don't really need much protection out there. Ah, oh, this is... I mean, well, what, what about the rest of the super family? Or whatever the fuck you call them. All those other super people. They got S's and shit. Oh, yeah, but... Blue suits or something similar. And Steel has an S too and shit. They're actually Kryptonian. Steel's not Kryptonian, he's got a cool suit. I have an S too, it's right here. But it's not, it's, that's it though. Well, yeah, but it's at least the S. That's all you care about? Uh, yeah, I'm Superboy. They see the S, they know I'm Superboy. The end. Why do I need anything else? Get a fucking cape. Here, do you need the fucking... I'll get Alfred. Dude, I, I don't need... To go fucking get you a cape right I now. I don't need a cape in order to fly. You need the cape, because otherwise, if you don't have a cape, you look like Mouse Man or something. Flater Mouse. That's what they call me in Germany. All right, so, uh, you're, you're gonna call the Watchtower, right? I mean, I guess. They're probably all dead by now, but sure. I, I wonder why. Well, you got super speed. Go fucking do it. I should have just gone to the Fortress of Solitude. Fucking stupid capeless fuck. Hi, my name is Rob Ayling. I'm the writer and director of Living in Crime Alley, the Batman fan film. And you are listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. All right, welcome back to Super Villain Stuff You Should Know. And now we're going to dive into a special deep dive of the Jared Leto Joker. Uh, we made it. We made it. We made it, everybody. <laughs> We're finally going to talk about Leto specifically. <laughs> is that what this his, is about? His method acting. Uh, 
So at the time, Leto had a lot. He had long hair and a beard, and had it all cut during the makeup tests. If you watch the featurette on the Suicide Squad uh, release, David Ayer himself cuts uh, Leto's ponytail. Oh, yeah, I think I remember seeing this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they even shaved his eyebrows, which I think uh, Zach's noted to us before. Which mm-hmm. I honestly don't like because of like just look at how expressive. Joker can be in the comics <laughs> yeah. with the eyebrows, and once you lose that, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Though, Zach, you did point out to me that technically the the Batman the Animated Series Joker doesn't have eyebrows, but I think because it's animated, you don't really notice and doesn't bother you because of how expressive yeah. that version is. I think, I'm was. not sure if that's what they want. I I, I, I don't think they did it because of the animated that's, series. Yeah, it's animated. There's a lot that's just left to the imagination. Yeah. Like, it's not... I, I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I think he probably would have Nicholson's eyebrows. eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> like, look how much he was able to get out of that. Well, I told you yeah. that they were originally, the reason they shaved him is the mm-hmm. mock-up. Yeah, having the, like, ha-has tattooed in his eyebrows. I've seen mm-hmm. the little test uh, test shoots for that. It's even more stupid, so I'm glad yeah, they didn't, glad they do, didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Mr. Leto, we're actually not going to do the uh, ha-ha yeah. tattoos on the eyebrows, so you're just going to have to wait for them to grow back. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, on the 75th anniversary of the Joker, April 24th, 2015, they released the first picture of Leto's Joker with his hands on his head mimicking the famous pose from The Killing Joke mm. done by Brian Bolland. Uh, and people who didn't want to believe the tattoos were just like, that's just Photoshop as part of the Joker it's anniversary. It's April Fool's he's, Day, yeah. He's not going to look like <laughs> that. Yes, yes, yes. And I was just like, you guys are in denial because <laughs> yeah. I've seen this movie several, t- not the specific movie, but I mean like the movie of filmmakers fucking with canon. Yeah. And every single time we're just like, there's no way he's going to look like that in the movie, right? It's going to be more comic accurate. Yeah. It's like the Anakin Skywalker and Padme meme that's going around where you're just like waiting for them <laughs> yeah. to clarify. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's not going to look any different. So. <laughs> okay, he's Robin then. Yeah, that was part of the denial, I think. And then they're just like, okay, he's Robin then, because there's no way this is the real Joker. Yeah. William Dafoe is the Joker. Like, everybody came up with all sorts of shit. Uh, I know, on the verge of graceness. But anyway, uh, I mainly didn't like the damage tattoo, but in terms of... I mean, this is somewhat controversial for me, but I, I, I liked the idea of, hey, like... The hairstyle at least seems pretty faithful. The overall, just how he looks in general. If you, yeah, it looks basically like the traditional Joker with grill and tattoos added onto it. Yeah. So I didn't mind it so much. Uh, in fact, I did actually have a better reaction at first glance than I did to the Ledger Joker. Again, that's nothing against Ledger. Interesting. Himself, because I didn't really. I, I felt as, and I've brought this up before on the podcast, where I felt as if the scarred smile and stuff almost looked too horror movie-ish, and that they would go too mm. far on just like making him edge lord R-rated Joker, as opposed to, you know, something that I find more interesting in the comics and the animated yeah. series, uh, where he's a nice mix and balance between scary and funny at the same time. But luckily, we got that through Ledger's performance, definitely, and the strength of the writing uh, on that. Uh, this is notably the first live-action version of the character to not receive any alteration to the smile other than just, uh, you know, the lipstick. So Nicholson's smile was permanent from the mm-hmm. disfigurement, uh, thanks to the Nick Dudman makeup. Uh, Ledger obviously had the scars, and Romero, Ledger, and Phoenix all had the lipstick extending out. Ah, right. So, oh, uh, yeah. so where did the tattoos come from? Let's go into it. I would love to know, actually. Ayer said it was inspired by looking on Instagram 
<laughs> looking on SoundCloud. Looking specifically on <laughs> the Instagram for drug lords and their lifestyle. So kind of tying into <laughs> God, what of Rob was talking about on how it's just like, oh, let's go off of stereotypes of criminals today in 2016. Which is oh, also wow. why Joker has a lot of the flashier accessories, the purple Lamborghini, the bling, things that we associate with like modern gangsters and rappers. And There's something to be said about striking out on your own, making, putting your stamp on this character. It's yeah. just the damage tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's that's a nice segue in talking about the po- you know the possible comic book inspiration for these so there is precedent for the Joker having tattoos as brought up before right. by Zach and that's in the all-star Batman and Robin from Frank Miller and Jim Lee uh, and let's bring up the cover for those who are watching on YouTube here it is it is Joker with a dragon tattoo on his back and funny enough on the merchandise for Suicide Squad, the Jared Leto Joker has a dragon tattoo on the statue. They explain why this red dragon ever? Nope. Okay, he just has a red dragon tattoo. He likes Dungeons and Dragons. He's now. damaged. Okay. I think it's a, it's a, the allusion to what the uh, Hannibal Lecter film, Red Dragon. Oh, is I, I that what it like, is? I feel like maybe. it's probably right. That's the closest. Oh, it is a literal red dragon. So maybe he's trying to be like Francis Dollarhide in yeah. Manhunter and <laughs> Red Dragon evil. on that. So let's put this up instead for those who are watching on YouTube. Can Switching books. See the, I got I it. You go going. ahead. You All go right, ahead. So this is illustrated by Jim Lee, and that does bring me into talking about the Frank Miller Joker. In terms of, I was looking at the comics to see what could have possibly inspired the characterization specifically on this. And in All Star Batman and Robin, not only do we have the tattoos, but Joker is mostly shirtless in his main scene of All Star Batman and Robin. Seems relatively melancholy never actually smiles in the entire arc. Now, keep in mind the arc was interrupted. It's never been finished. Uh, But he's also seductive in a way. He sleeps with an attorney named Donna Gugina and then kills her, saying that by killing her, he's loving her in, quote, his own special way. So I feel like Mm. this is totally in character with what Leto's Joker would do. Um, In general, if you read Frank Miller's take on the Joker from either this or The Dark Knight Returns or even his cameo in Superman Year One, which came out way after Suicide Squad, but still... I feel like Frank's joke, Frank Miller's Joker is one of the main inspirations for this because he's a seductive Joker. He seems as likely mm. to want to kiss you as he will to kill you. Well, I mean, first... Lucifer's supposed to be a sexy angel, right? Before he's the devil. According to the Fox show. Yeah. Or well, are you talking yeah, about in general? Actual. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's supposed to be part of the, yeah, the, the devil is attractive. Yeah. So that, I think that's mm. kind of thrown in there. That's, yeah. that's part of it. It makes sense. So in The Dark Knight Returns, he uses lipstick and basically takes a page out of Poison Ivy's playbook and kills Dr. Ruth that way, the Dr. Ruth equivalent, and then has mind-controlling lipstick that he uses on Selena Kyle. And Leto seems similar, not just in his interactions with Harley, but if you remember the scene with the prison guard, where he like makes him kiss his ring and gets like really close to his face and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and of course, the, the infamous line from Zack Snyder's Justice League of who's going to give you the reach around. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> basically sexually ambiguous, probably bisexual, it seems like, mm-hmm. in this, this version. Right. I, I think this is the most where that element is highlighted, at least since Nicholson, I would say. But this is a little even more highlighted. Using sex as, a, as manipulation. Yeah, right. in some ways. Hi. I honestly can't imagine any version of the Joker actually having sex with anyone. I feel like even Leto's probably like, it's all like some sort of abuse or something. Like, I don't, Mm. I don't know. 
I can't. You're saying I'm he not wouldn't go say, down on anybody like Batman would. Definitely not. <laughs> That's how he got his teeth. No. It's just. Uh, <laughs> no, it's something about him. I, I can't imagine him being interested in pleasing anyone but himself. But I also imagine that he's kind of like asexual. Like anything that he does is just to hurt others. He could have sex and totally just be out for himself. I think that's a... I, well, even no, that's like too I, I human, think, though. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think Zach uh, has an interesting point that to him, sex is murder. Yeah. Okay. That's where right. he gets his actual pleasure from. Like he kills. That's true. I was thinking, like when we were talking about how when Batman's beating the shit out of him, is that orgasmic <laughs> for him? Like it depends Probably on certain versions. Play, yeah. 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 In certain yeah. versions, I would say so. Yeah. 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 Um, another possible influence on this movie was the 2008 comic Joker by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. Similar to how Azzarello and Bermejo's Luther was kind of an influence on the Eisenberg Lex, as we talked about in the last episode, where it also has Lex manipulating Bruce into fighting Superman in that. Uh, another sign of this is that the main character of that comic is a henchman named Johnny Frost, and Johnny Frost is in Suicide Squad mm-hmm. as Joker's main henchman to help him try to get Harley back, played by uh, Jim Perrick. No relation to Mr. Freeze? Unfortunately. Nor Joe Chill. Okay. Or Captain oh, yeah. Cold. Chill Frost? Yes, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> or Killer Frost, yeah. Forget so, about all that. Uh, both the comic and the movie feature a Joker who is more of a gangster in some ways, uh, caring about his territory and his turf and his rivalry with other Batman villains as other gangsters. Um, he's been recently released from Arkham Asylum in both versions. Both sort of feature scenes set in meat factories with slabs of meat carcasses hanging on hooks in the... Suicide Squad movie, that's where he ends up talking to that prison guard and making him kiss the ring. Uh, Both have sequences where Harley is dancing in some kind of strip club type uh, context, and around the same time, Joker punishes someone who crossed him and into his territory. Though the comic is more violent, in the movie, it's common, (laughs) getting shot by Jared Leto, and in the comic, it's a guy he skins alive. Yeah, and he staggers Uh, out on stage, mm, and he smacks him on the ass with with money, and it sticks to his bloody corpse. I remember (laughs) that. Ah, yes. Super, so, super sick. <laughs> yeah, so I'm somewhat controversial opinion on my part. I'm not a huge fan of this comic. I love really? I love the Azarello Bermejo, Lex Luthor, but when it comes to this Joker, I'm like, this, it was everything I was afraid they would do with the Ledger Joker, where he looks like Ledger's Joker, right. but the characterization is completely different, where it just feels like, oh, it's a Scorsese movie with gangsters and, and Batman villains as gangsters. On paper, that sounds great. But then it's it's almost like they forgot to change the voices to suit the actual Batman villains, and so yeah. Joker sort of just feels like a regular gangster to me who's just kind of really fucked up and looks like the Joker. But right. like what I said about Leto's version, he lacks what feels like the sense of humor. Uh, he yeah. sort of lacks the personality to me. He, he seems to care more about being... I mean, he, he seems like he's a serial killer and a gangster type thing at the same time. I'm, again, it's just... If, if you love it, then, you know fantastic i'm this is not to go against anybody who likes that characterization but to me i'm just like i it does not do for the joker in my opinion what the luthor comic did for lex luthor oh yeah i could see that yeah yeah Yeah. uh let's see according to costume designer kate holly they didn't want to put leto too much in the purple suit because they felt like it would be too much with the tattoos and the grill which i'm just like well why did you give him the tattoos and the grill in the first place just (laughs) too much (laughs) Uh, but they compromised with the snake skin purple trench coat, which i really liked 
Uh, still, Jared Leto's Joker also takes visual inspiration from other comic book versions. We have The Dark Knight Returns with the white suit, which is what he wears when he's driving the purple Lamborghini and Affleck goes after him, which at the time was our only, the closest we got to Affleck's Batman fighting Joker that's was him on top yeah. of the car. That was uh, Citroen on the car. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It wasn't even Affleck. Um, and then Alex Ross's Joker with the black tuxedo. Uh, yeah. is right. uh, also that's my favorite yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah my favorite yeah. look for him in the film and it looks great I agree yeah I'm the same view on that let's go into Leto's method acting so here we go <laughs> yes we made it <laughs> so Leto spent the whole time on set in character and would insist on only being addressed as Jay or Mr. Jay according to producer Charles <laughs> Roven don't call him Jared because he will not respond Will Smith is like <laughs> I quit quitting <laughs> now oh hell no so <laughs> This is in contrast to the legends of Heath Ledger, who, contrary to popular belief, was not in character the whole time. He was pretty much Heath Ledger when the cameras were off, according mm-hmm. to Michael J. White. It's an interesting contrast, because I feel like Leto went to the places that everyone thinks or assumes Ledger went. Right. In a real way. Because everyone's just like, you know, Ledger got lost in the role of method acting, and yeah. that's why he died, and it turns out that's complete bullshit, because he had a whole other movie afterwards before his oh, death. Yeah. And yep. according to everybody on the set, he was a, he was a complete... You know, professional and was even riding skateboards yeah. uh, on on that. Not just in that photoshopped image of him skateboarding over Batman's body, <laughs> but in actual footage of uh, I think Chicago or so. He's yeah. like riding around on a skateboard. Nolan doesn't like behind the scenes footage. He mm-hmm. doesn't like uh, you know deleted scenes in in his DVDs and Blu-rays. Right. So we and out of, definitely for this one, out of respect for Ledger. From what I've heard in his interviews, he doesn't want to release any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's been some leaks with he is like taking a picture in Joker makeup, mm-hmm. uh, smiling with somebody on set. Right. Yeah. Uh, but like that's the only one I've seen. I think. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's sort of overblown how much people are just like he was so in character. That's how I got the performance. I'm like, no, he was. It's like the whole Lawrence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman anecdote. Yeah. <laughs> Hoffman yeah. like didn't sleep for days, and Olivier's just like, have you tried acting, my friend? Yeah, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> my boy. boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Leto claims that he did a ton of hands-on research meeting with uh, doctors, psychiatrists that dealt with psychopaths, as well as people who had committed horrendous crimes. Again, this is according to him. Yeah. Who knows if this was one day or weeks or whatever. Um, one interesting aspect is that he said that he read up on shamanism and listened to a lot of 1920s gospel music. Now, in terms of the reason why, because <laughs> that seems really random. I read that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, quote, I always get the sense that the Joker may be much older than people think. <laughs> 45. <laughs> <laughs> well, he Leto's already older than people think in general. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think this true. sort of ties into what we talked about in one of our episodes last year about whether Joker was supernatural. Oh, yeah. That was ways. a great episode. Because yeah. there's the one from the Scott Snyder Endgame uh, yeah. comic where it's just like Joker may have been there in Gotham since the beginning of time type of thing so uh, if that's what he's drawing off of I think that's kind of a cool deep dive uh, in a way uh, Leto yeah. said he would go around New York and Toronto working on his laugh to see what would freak people out and get under their skins which <laughs> totally sounds like him <laughs> that's kind of awesome and he did like freak somebody out at one of his uh, concerts right he started doing a kind of a Joker voice at I one think of his he did, concerts yeah. Yeah. to a fan mm-hmm. Uh, Leto famously had a ton of antics, so let's talk about what happened and separate some fact and fiction. So, according to Viola Davis, who played Amanda Waller, uh, she said Leto hired someone to interrupt the cast rehearsal and drop the carcass of a dead pig on a table. Great. (laughs) 
Davis immediately thought this man is crazy and uh, said that she almost had pepper spray out when she ended up meeting Leto for the first time later. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, he apparently sent boxes of bullets to other cast members, including Will Smith, who's kind of the only one who would make sense to have the box of bullets because mm. that's his character, but it's apparently like, sent it to of, everybody. It's like a death threat, though, isn't it? It's like, it's so... It could be, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's also like saying to you before, like, if you were to do that in the workplace, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just... You would literally, like, you'd get a, a call from... Well, you'd either get a call from HR or you get a call from the police. You know, either two both. of those. Yeah, both, exactly. Right. So, set to your left is HR and set to your right is a big group of police officers. Uh, mm. We're trying to see what's wrong with you with sending these bullets. Oh, and please don't send a severed pig uh, again. Yes. Uh, yes. So, uh, there are kind of legends that Rob alluded to about there being a dead rat. However... Uh, mm. According to what the cast said, it was actually a living rat. Uh, Margot right. Robbie received a black rat in a box. Uh, she could not keep him, but uh, <laughs> she then... I guess so, yeah. the ultimate in randomness. So Robbie decided, oh, I'll give it as a gift, and she gifted it to Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> so what? Guillermo oh. del Toro has Jared Leto's uh, rat, and he named the rat Venustiano, uh, and had the rat for about a year and a half until Venustiano sadly passed away in February 2017. Wow. This episode oh. is dedicated to your memory, Venustiano. <laughs> what connection does Robbie have to Guillermo del Toro? Because I, I don't think they work together. They, they might in the future. We'll see, I guess. They might have met at some Oscar party or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, Killer Croc actor, I will do my best to pronounce this, Adewale Akinoye Agbaje, uh, says that Leto sent him, quote, sticky Playboy magazines. <laughs> as Great. a gift. Uh, as well as sent the cast, quote, anal beads and supposedly used condoms. Now, <laughs> Leto himself denied the report about the condoms in 2017, saying that it was, quote, utter bullshit. However, between the two, I don't think Adewale has a reason to make shit up. No. And Leto has every reason to try to uh, reclaim his image, so... They might have been opened condoms, <laughs> and maybe not used, I would hope. Like used-used, yeah. Yeah, they would they would have been yeah unused, but open. Maybe, <laughs> for, for a joke effect. Don't you just I love those Joker comics where Joker just sends a bunch of used condoms to uh, like, people? It's, it's dumb, but I'm just saying, hopefully for everybody's health sake and all that, I don't know. Wouldn't it have yes. made more sense for him to give them like a pair of alligator skin shoes, know, right? or like... You know, something like that. Yeah. Or just a Joker card or something. Yeah. <laughs> that, this makes Can so I much sense. Yeah, something yeah. in character, perhaps, you know? <laughs> Can I just Too say, this is, this is probably the best way you can spend a Sunday night is literally talking about whether or not you give condoms or alligator skin <laughs> products <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> Should I give a Joker I card? never thought that that would come into question, but here we are. Um, <laughs> I mean, the talk of the internet has been, does does uh, Batman perform cunnilingus all week? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what a world we live in. Um, I mean, there's, uh, a, there's a fine line between the two somewhere of what is the truth there, isn't there? there mm-hmm. Like, yeah. clearly there was condom sent. Clearly there was Playboy magazines sent, but whether or not they were... God, were they used or not? Oh, I can't believe that's a sentence I'm saying. But yeah, is is now. It, I don't know if that we'll ever find out if that's true or not. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of creates a legend around uh, more of a legend surrounding Jared Leto than the Joker, his version of the Joker, honestly. Yeah. Uh, on this. So after all these antics, it was almost 
2016 seemed like it was all for nothing since he was in it for like five minutes in the final cut of the film. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Leto, of course, was famously not happy with how much was cut, saying, quote, were there any that didn't get cut? <laughs> in reaction sure, a lot to was cut, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, director David Ayer admitted that he wished that he had made Joker the main villain of the movie instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Why didn't he? I have a feeling that was probably the studio or something. That Wall Street guy, again. <laughs> Wall Street guy. That, <laughs> I, Talk to Chris Terrio, yeah. I keep thinking about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're referring to a Vanity Fair interview where Chris Terrio said that uh, Wall Street investors and Warner Brothers were telling him how to write Batman for BVS. So uh, hmm. it kind of shows how the behind-the-scenes shit was going on. Uh, Warner to Brothers me, it's the just the most, one of the most real-world things. Like yeah. It's a Wall Street influencing the producers that are above Chris Terrio mm-hmm. and maybe even Walter Hamada, right? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's just fascinating because it's just, it's so likely. Of course it's some Wall Street douchebag. <laughs> I think on this podcast, the most unlikely but fascinating behind-the-scenes stories have been this weird Hollywood shit that we've talked about. Whether oh, it was yeah. Superman 78 mm-hmm. with trying to convince Marlon Brando not to be a bagel. The fucking bagel thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the All fuck? that type of stuff uh, to this stuff where it's just like Margot Robbie gives the Jared Little rat to Guillermo del Toro. You can't make that shit up. Yeah. That's no. great. <laughs> that's great. Um, let's talk a little bit into what we know was cut though. So let's go first off with the concept art. There's some concept art of Jared Leto's Joker sitting in the Batmobile of okay. all places. Not sure where that comes in. In some cases of concept art, they're just messing around and that's not mm. necessarily in the script. There was also famously a statue of Leto's Joker in his own bat suit. A jokerized bat mm. suit at one <laughs> point. Cool. Don't know if that was part of the movie. I did see that as a reference to the episode The Laughing Bat in the show The Batman, the cartoon from 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, the scene that we've referenced where Common's character, Monster T, who has a beef of jo- that's not that's his name I'm not fucking <laughs> is that, is that made, up, made up for this yeah I don't think that's yes. an actual character <laughs> okay yeah uh, <sighs> it sounds like he's a sponsor for Emmer- they didn't have things. enough characters yeah <laughs> they didn't have enough to pull from from the comics you know <laughs> I, I don't know 70 years worth of comics versus your own shit alright let's just do your All own right, shit I guess so uh, common Originally cast as the John Stewart Green Lantern for George Miller's Justice League Mortal, takes a step down and plays Monster T for this one scene uh, oh, where he, uh, Joker offers Harley to him, and he's the handsome hunka hunka that <laughs> Zach was referencing earlier. And At least that's somewhat funny. That's gets going towards being funny. It is, yeah, yeah. But in the movie, it looks like Joker shoots him, even though the editing is just really awful in that one scene where yes. it's just like you don't actually see him shoot him. It's just literally Common falling over and mm. Leto holding a gun. In I think the reason why is that according to David Ayer, that's not how the movie was supposed to go. In the movie, Jared Leto's Joker would manipulate Monster T into committing suicide in that scene. Oh. Which would have been really interesting, I think. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, another deleted scene, which is on the Blu-ray, so we know for a fact it's real, is that uh, Harleen is on a motorcycle chasing after Joker's purple Lamborghini and uh, ends up chasing him down and puts a gun to his head. And Joker says that he is not someone to be loved. He's more of an idea, that type of thing. Okay. That dialogue, I'm, yeah. <laughs> there was a good reason that was cut. I, I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be Ledger there and failing. <laughs> And then, of course, there's also that famous line from Harley in that scene where she's just like, a gun doesn't scare you, but my heart does. <laughs> anyway. that, that can go back around to being good because it's so bad, I think. That, 
Robbie does her best yeah. uh, with the material. But anyway, uh, a cut scene towards the finale is after Joker's helicopter goes down. And we've seen this a lot in the different trailers where you see Joker in the tuxedo, but he's got like burns on him because he just <clears> came <throat> out of the helicopter. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joker would show up and he would get access to the detonators of the explosives in everyone's head. Uh, and threatened to detonate them. This was also confirmed by Ayer himself, who I believe posted the script page for it. And uh, Deadshot says he does not have any beef with Joker. So that's the carryover for you, Zach, in terms of oh the beef my. line. Are you <laughs> serious? That was really in the script? <laughs> yes. I got no beef with you, Joker. <laughs> Can you imagine Will Smith saying that? Uh, oh. He probably did in the Ayer cut, but... Oh anyway, uh, Joker holds everyone ho- hostage because he wants Harley <laughs> to come back and apparently makes a deal with the Enchantress that he will help her in order for him to get Harley back and they can go back home and be the king and queen of Gotham. However, Harley stands up to him and refuses to betray her new friends and uh, he ends up escaping. So this was kind of what the original arc for Harley was in the uh, in the air cut. In the movie, it just seems like, oh, she's always going to be with him. As opposed mm, right. to in the air cut, it was supposed to be, quote, about growth and empowerment for Harley, which I don't think we really got at all in that version no. nope. until we got Birds of Prey uh, yes. and the Harley Quinn animated show, which is the best version of the story, I think. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is, actually. <laughs> and the best Clayface. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am an actor! <laughs> uh, as noted, Leto also played Joker in the music video Purple Lamborghini by Skrillex oh, and Rick Ross. My he's, favorite. In, he's in more of that in terms of ratio than he was in any of the movies. That's true. Uh, doing nothing in it. Though, as Zach has brought up to us, I kind of feel like he looks the best there in terms of the, how the white skin looks. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's even whiter than in the film. Uh, yeah. This is something I was going to mention earlier. I... I do think it's kind of strange. Um, as an artist, I kind of like illustrating him because he has some skin tone to him still. He almost looks not quite albino, but there's like some pink pinkness uh, to his undertones, like in, around his eyes and ears and stuff. I always think he looks like a lab rat, like with the white <laughs> but like pink kind of undertones. And it's like he's not quite chalk white like he is in the Snyder Cut. So it's mm-hmm. like... I almost wonder in the Snyder Cut is he supposed to still be like bleached skin, but I don't know where he's getting that grease paint in the apocalypse to do yeah. that. Yeah, I noticed the damage tattoo was gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, Snyder yeah. didn't like that. <laughs> uh, there were plans, of course, to continue the Jared Leto Joker in a movie with him and Harley. Uh, Glenn Ficarra and John uh, Rekua, I think is the name. Uh, they're executive producers on This Is Us. They wrote Bad Santa. Uh, they oh, were shit. attached to a project in 2017 about Joker and Harley. I don't think it's happening anymore. But in the in an interview, uh, one of the writers revealed that part of the plot was Harley kidnapping Dr. Phil to help solve <laughs> their problems oh my because God. they had some issues as a couple. So That's hilarious. <laughs> it is funny. I de- it, this Ooh. is one of those things where I'm just like, it depends on execution. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, it had to be definitely more comedic than than dramatic probably, but that's that's great, if, I think. If this has the same type of tone as the Harley Quinn animated show. Yeah. Fantastic. I think I mean, Dark Phil is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the animated show has him kill Howie Mandel and yeah. stuff, so you never know. I, I think uh, I'd love to hear or at least read this version of the script just to see what it was. A comedy with a lot of violence. I mean, I don't know. Pretty much, A dark yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah, it would be great, I think. On it, yeah. 
Uh, obviously, this never got off the ground. I don't think it's ever going to be made. Instead, we got 2020's Birds of Prey, which Jared Leto was not a part of, but his version of the Joker kind of was. His presence is known. Well, there is a little bit of his version, just not played by Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. So uh, a musician in California named Johnny Goth ended up taking on the role for some of the inserts where you oh, see yeah. Leto's Joker, but it's you don't you never see the face. Yeah. Uh, and Goth said that they needed someone with, quote, similar hands to Leto's Joker uh, and similar okay. build. Uh, and they want somebody who could just basically wear Leto's clothes without them having to alter it that much because you're, you're only in it for like two seconds of the movie. Yeah. And uh, he was a perfect fit, so I guess he's the same size. Uh, but you end up seeing Goth's version of the Joker without his face when they do... There's a flashback of him ta- them putting a smile tattoo uh, on a guy named Happy during the movie, so that's where it came from. But he was supposed to have a bigger role. There are leaked pics from the set of uh, a longer version of the Harley Joker breakup okay. in Birds of Prey mm-hmm. where he's throwing her stuff out of the window to her which Ah. i've brought this up in our birds of prey deep dive but i always felt it would have been more empowering if harley is the one who leaves joker not joker breaking up with harley but Mm, yeah yeah again maybe they thought it was too similar to the what if it's before character arc you know what i mean she could go from a weak state to a stronger state this is why this is why i said joker should have been the one in that movie yeah 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 as much fun as Ewan McGregor has in that movie, as Black Mask, <laughs> Joker's should have been the villain. Oh, that, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yes. But they wouldn't have killed him at the end, though. I don't think Probably so. not, yeah. No. 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 But do you have to? Like, you can still, you know, it didn't necessarily have to end that specific way. I no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Leto is also the first actor to reprise the role of Joker in another live-action film. If you think about mm-hmm. it, Nicholson never came back. Right. Uh, Ledger, unfortunately, never came back, though yeah. he probably would have yes. if he mm-hmm. was still alive. Yes. Because there's no way that they would have just been yeah. like, oh, no, no, this is one and done for you. Yeah. Uh, Snyder brings him back in the epilogue set in the nightmare sequence. And uh, as brought up before, unfortunately, Leto and Affleck were not on set on the same day. So it's kind of a miracle that it works as well as it does in terms yeah. of mm-hmm. them playing off of each other. Uh, this The scene was written by Zack Snyder himself, not by Chris Terrio. And uh, it confirms that Leto's Joker knows or has known that Batman is really Bruce Wayne. Right. Because he calls him Bruce. Uh, In an alternate scene that Snyder released later online, Leto did the ad lib that took the internet by storm, we live in a society. (laughs) 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 Referencing the the Joker meme that people do with Heath Ledger's Joker. And this was in the trailer, uh, but Snyder released the scene later on where Leto says it in reference to Batman says he will honor the promise he made to Harley Quinn that he will kill the Joker. Right. It's actually, in my opinion, a better version of what's in the movie. Because in the movie, when Batman threatens him, you see Joker's hand shaking and he's scared. Right. But in the alternate version with the We Live in a Society line, Joker doesn't seem to have that reaction at all. And instead makes mm. a joke about who does, he, who does Batman think screamed louder when they died, Robin or Harley Quinn? And then he laughs. Okay. So I'm like, yeah. okay, that's probably a better version, in my opinion. Because yeah. it's kind of weird to me to see Joker, after all this time, is now scared of Batman. I thought he was right. mocking him, though. I didn't think that he, could be I think another. That's another possibility. I think he's kind of like pantomiming that he's afraid because then he's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you almost got me!" Yeah, yeah, it could be that too, uh, as well. He also ad libbed the "Who's going to give you the reach around line?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Snyder, best line of the movie. <laughs> Snyder, <laughs> yeah. Snyder said that Jared threw it out and assumed that's never going to be in the movie, and Snyder was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> and now it's in the Snyder Cut. It does sort of work. I don't have it any does, problem yeah. with it. Yeah, no, it's yeah. such a Joker line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, as discussed in our episode on the plans for Justice League 2 and 3, Snyder originally wanted uh, to have more of the Nightmare sequence where Joker joins the Justice League in the Nightmare universe <laughs> yeah. to go up against Superman and they would have the quote-unquote Last Supper of the Justice League where in a Rashomon-style flashback they would have their Batman's perspective and Joker's perspective of the death of Robin and we would right. finally see it. Right, right. Mm. So that would be cool. Who knows if that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look likely, but we can always think what if. Yeah. Anyway, that is pretty much the deep dive into Leto's Joker. I guess the question is... Does any of the new information make you think differently about the Leto Joker after this discussion? Let's start with Rob. Um, it just makes me feel more, even more sorry for Leto in a way, to be honest yeah. with you, hearing about mm-hmm. all the stuff because it just almost, as you said before, it's just it feels like just a massive what if, really, and just mm-hmm. the possibilities. Because I remember when I heard the casting for Jared Leto as the Joker, and I did generally think smart, yeah, smart <laughs> casting. Yeah. Like that's a smart piece mm-hmm. of casting because I mean. Mm-hmm. Here's an actor who's literally on a high right now. He's just won the Academy Award for arguably one of the best performances he's done. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was a huge undertaking. And, you know, look, the the fact of the matter is we were always going to compare him to the last person who, who played the role last. Mm-hmm. And there was very high expectations for him and high expectations on the studio and i think it doesn't help that you had films like um assault on arkham as well which is mm. why um you can't tell the story of jo- uh, the joker being a villain in you know the suicide squad's movie and that's why they did enchantress which for me was <laughs> just the worst for me that's the worst thing about Suicide Squad is I'm sorry it is that is the worst thing about Suicide Squad there's a reason why we don't have an Enchantress episode well there you go there you go Um, and all I can say uh, apologise for Cara Delevingne I mean she's British so I do feel like I have to apologise on on her behalf Uh, um, but (laughs) but the the on, in regards to Leto, I do think he was hard done by, and you know we've discussed you know all the stuff that was left on the cutting room floor, and it's clearly in an archive somewhere, which hopefully we will potentially see someday because um, along with Joel Schumacher's forty-five minute extended Batman Forever, which I would love to see, um, I would love to see the falling down version of Batman um, personally, and I would love to see that, and I think we should see the true original intention of David Ayer's vision because as we mentioned earlier he can direct he can write you know Fury is a great film End of Watch is a fantastic film and this is what happens when you only have six weeks to write a film and um given the time and I think even just to just to say to Leto let's reel it in you know I I get that you're excited I get you want to make this the best thing possible but just really in. I think that's where Zack Snyder comes in as well and j- is able to kind of just communicate to him and just say, you know, this is the intention of this moment here, you know, because I think if there's one thing I will say, which is probably a little bit harsh, but it's important to have a vision as a director. And I think maybe Aya kind of let that slip a little bit in terms of bringing in the Joker, because the problem I have with Jared Leto's Joker fundamentally is while I do think he could be the romantic joker for this harley quinn that we do have and don't get me wrong i think margot robbie is fantastic as harley quinn but i don't buy their relationship one second in that movie 
I don't believe that they are in a relationship. I don't believe that they have a sexual relationship. I don't believe that there is love between them. I feel like it's very contrived and I feel like it's incredibly forced and I question more things the most and if I'm questioning why they've taken a dive into a vat of chemicals and why there's blue and pink coming off of their clothing in the vat of chemicals, that's when you've lost me as an audience member. What I should be engaged with is the fact that she's taken this dive. She's taken this leap of faith, you know, coming back to what we were saying earlier, to be with this person. But you're looking at this person and going, why? Why are you doing this? You know, it's... We say this all the time, it's not rocket science, but it's really not rocket science to adapt uh, Mad Love. It's really not no. rocket science it's to do that. all there in the comic. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it's really not that uh, difficult. You just do that, and you could have nailed it for like a five-minute scene of Joker being in a psych... You know, like, doing the whole scene of, you know, my father beat me up pretty badly as a kid. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn could just be like, shit, he's a human being. He is a tortured young man or older man, you know, whatever. And maybe there's a scene there, but we don't know. Apparently there might be. I Again, it's all up in the air, really. But I do fundamentally stick with my original opinion about Jared Letters Joker, which is I do think fundamentally it is flawed. Um, and I do feel sorry for the guy because I think he is talented. And I think we could have got something really special. But all we got was a... Uh, I, I was going to say reach around, but that sounds weird. Um, um, so what did we get? We got, we got some, we got something fundamentally flawed, and we don't want that for Joker. We want to be entertained, and we want to be uh, on a joyride with him. And fundamentally, we felt very underwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you were thinking of is we got an extended cameo instead of yeah. like an actual performance for the Joker. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say if if this didn't happen, then maybe we wouldn't have gotten Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. That's right. So it's it's I guess you could look at it as a stepping stone, kind of like, you know, well, I love Batman and Robin, but a lot of people <laughs> thought like, well, because of Batman and Robin's poor performance, it eventually led to the creation of Batman Begins and this whole reboot. So True. There is some merit to it, and uh, like I said, I there are certain things I like about them, and most of it I can I can appreciate some uh, visuals of the Joker and and some of the comic book um, I guess inferences that they make. These it is cool to see a Joker with Harley Quinn for once. It's just uh, it is a it's a an odd misstep, like I said before, and it's a. Uh, I think it all comes down to the audience reception of Batman versus Superman. And it's like oh, this this kind of weird like stumble in that cinematic history of, you know, perhaps if things were more successful, then the studio wouldn't be as nitpicky and controlling as they were. And maybe we would have gotten a completely different film or things would have just gone differently. So he still is probably my least favorite. Uh, he's definitely, like I said, my opinion of, of him has gone up since the Snyder Cut. I like that mm-hmm. version of the Joker. I think that uh, that was really cool. Uh, he may be just a a hint above the Gotham Jokers for me. Maybe because they don't even call them Joker, but uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, 
I did like having our conversation about him, though, because there was mm-hmm. still a lot of stuff I didn't know as far as where the where the comic book uh, inspirations came from for this particular Joker and maybe what what might have been. So, yeah, it, in the end, I guess it just it leaves you kind of wanting like you you wish yeah. it could have been better, but mm-hmm. it is what it is at this point. This conversation didn't change how I think about him too, too much because mm-hmm. I never hated him. Right. I, I hated what happened to him in the edit room because mm-hmm. everybody, I think everybody agrees we'd like to have seen more. I mean, except for maybe some of those scenes that, you about <laughs> that sucked. But, um, but it's just because the scenes that we do get, he, again, is just really magnetic mm-hmm. on screen. And um, I, li- I mean, it was misguided him doing all this animal shit, sending animals to people. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the good, if there is a good side of that, it's that he was very excited about this role. And yeah. we all love it whenever an actor is passionate about their role. Like it's like, like the worst, like with Tom Welling never wearing the fucking suit, <laughs> yeah. you know, like or it's stuff like that. Like as comic book fans, we really want mm-hmm. those people to at least fake it, you know, at yeah. least at least make us seem like you're super into this role. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was. So it's kind of, in many ways, on his part, other than the boxes sent to people, it's more or less mission accomplished from Leto's side yeah. as an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of the script and everything else surrounding him. Again, he was a victim. So, um, yeah, I would definitely love to see him again in something kind of redone, reworked, mm-hmm. like Snyder. What's not, we saw a little bit of what could, you know, retweak him, uh, take off the damage thing, and kind of do the same, mm-hmm. a similar thing, but with a different director, maybe, or Ayer just getting his actual say. Yeah. or something like that take out the Wall Street guy it'd be interesting to see what, what they could do with that mm-hmm. yeah I think the tragedy of the letter Joker is similar to the one with Ben Affleck's Batman is the fact that you some of the most interesting aspects of these versions are not on screen mm-hmm. right like we had a whole deep dive on the bat, Ben Affleck Batman on stuff that is implied but never actually shown Talking about Snyder's world, he has in Snyder's uh, world, yeah. yeah, and it's such a shame because of the fact that this is kind of this is the first time since Adam West versus Cesar Romero where you have a Batman Joker relationship over years and a huge history, right? As right, opposed right. to oh, I'm meeting Batman for the fir- Joker and Batman are meeting for the first time in '89 or in The Dark Knight uh, or even in the show Gotham, uh, and then Phoenix isn't even close to meeting Batman yet in, uh, in yeah, Joker. He's only meets boy, Bruce right? Wayne, yeah. yeah. So uh, to have that history is amazing, but the problem is we'd never get any of it like I, I think as Rob was saying the fact that Ledger was the last one on film to play Joker was kind of already counting against uh, Leto in a way similar to, to Bale and Affleck where it's just like inevitably you're going to get hate for just not being the previous mm-hmm. guy yeah just what inevitably. shoes to fill man I know yeah. uh, and they at least did their own takes on it the problem is I think the the best stuff is just not around if Leto's Joker had done the death in the family. If you saw him as regular Joker and then he does the death in the family and then Batman knocks his teeth out and then you get, you know, the take with the, the metal, maybe less, obviously less tattoos, no damage tattoo, uh, <laughs> but the metal teeth and the tattoo on, on the hand, yeah, that yeah. type of stuff. Like you would get it at that point. I'm like, okay, now that's why he looks like that. And then making him a little bit more of a centerpiece for Suicide Squad uh, would have also helped elevate that as well and then just continuing this franchise of Affleck's Batman versus Leto's Joker and seeing the history between them getting to see the history between them or all the implications in there would have definitely created a more enriching I think cinematic experience than what we've gotten where it's all implied 
But I, I think I've always wanted to see a little more to the Batman Joker relationship than just like who is this clown type of thing. Like it's they get to actually have <laughs> right. a history. I don't right. need to see them meet again for the first time. I right. want to see right. what happens afterwards and, and playing around with that dynamic and what it says about those two characters in that relationship. So uh, it's it's a shame. Uh, but I agree that this pretty much makes me feel sorry more for Leto than anything yeah. else. But it doesn't necessarily change my opinion on it. Mm. Uh, and with yep. that, that is super villain stuff you should know. We have a few fan comments to go over before we wrap and uh, plug some stuff. So uh, this comes from a fan named Paul who sent us a long email about oh, yeah. the secret origins of Ben Affleck's Batman episode. He said, quote, in a recent podcast, you discussed the Mercedes which Ben Affleck slash Bruce Wayne drove in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And you mentioned that it was the Mercedes-Benz AMG Vision Gran Turismo. I just wanted to add some more detail and a bit more of a deep dive about that car because I recognized it as soon as it was on screen. The car's <laughs> origin was a result of the Vision Gran Turismo program, which invited a number of car developers to create a concept car for the 2013 Sony PlayStation game Gran Turismo 6. These cars also carried over into the successor Gran Turismo Sport. So I did not know any of this until Paul emailed this. Uh, the first Vision Gran Turismo car was released on November 20th, 2013 by Mercedes-Benz, known as the Mercedes-Benz AMG Vision Gran Turismo. It took the form of a long hooded coupe with no rear window and an active rear spoiler. Eight rectangular exhaust tips are located above and below the single long tail light. This is way more deep diving than I would ever go. This is a hell of an email, email, everybody. Just just let you know. The car. Was this Jeremy Clarkson's email or something? Was was he on Top Gear or something? I was really surprised by this email. You really wanted us to make sure we knew every detail of this. This is another deep dive. (laughs) The car is characterized as having an aluminum aluminum space frame and a twin turbocharged 5.5 liter M157 AMG V8 engine with an output of 430 <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> 580 HP. The ultra-futuristic design of the model was inspired by cars such as the Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG Formula 1 cars, the Batmobile, I'd imagine the Batmobile, uh, Mercedes-Benz 300 SL, the 1930s racing models, and various car versions from Mercedes-AMG. I did not know 50% of the words I just said there. Although it was developed as a concept car in car a video shit. game, it was later built as a real-life model. Officially, uh, Daimler AG did not announce the launch of the concept car in a series, but later the American company JNS Worldwide Holdings announced the production of five such cars. The world premiere of the concept model took place at the 2013 LA Auto Show in Los Angeles. I thought it was a pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool that a car designed with a Batmobile influence was used in the 2017/2021 movie as Bruce Wayne's car. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there was a deal with the car company to include two of their vehicles in the film, one being the E-Class convertible driven by Diana Prince Gal Gadot. That's when she comes to uh, meet Victor. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be Diana's car or she's just borrowing Bruce's car. Yeah, I thought she was just borrowing. <laughs> yeah, I think she's just borrowing the car. Anyway. I, I think Diana just jumps around different places yeah. to travel. I don't think she needs a car. <laughs> I mean, um, let's let's be honest. If she asked Bruce, "Can I borrow your car?" He's not going to say no, is he? I mean, he's not going to be yeah. like, that, "No, no you of course can't." Not. No, that's Alfred's You're car. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alfred has his own cars. Yeah. He uh, uh, says the other one was the one of a kind Mercedes Benz Vision Gran Turismo created specifically for the film by the car company. Lastly, the model that was in the movie, which had been created specifically for Justice League and it had to be made larger than the original design to accommodate Ben Affleck, who is six feet, 3.5 inches tall. That's all. 
Still loving your podcast each week, but to be honest, I do skip the sketches. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> honest. Well, at least you're honest. So thank at you very much honest. for that, Paul. That is information I definitely would not have covered. And uh, that is awesome. If we ever do a deep dive into Batmobile stuff for all the yeah. car mm. shit, I think you would be the man to bring on. Do so. you know anything about cars like that much? At There's all? a Batmobile. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know much about cars either, to be honest Me with you. Me neither. There you go. Uh, <clears throat> we do have a couple people who actually do listen to the sketches, though, and that is Devin Beaumont, who commented on our Death of the Superman deep dive, quote, yes, we listen to the sketches. Thank you. I, I don't know who we yes. refers to, but uh, it could be Devin and Devin's friends. Who knows? I hope it's, it's a whole crowd that he has <laughs> assembled to listen to our podcast. And then CP101 <laughs> says, quote, I, also, I, I always listen to the sketches. Woo! So thank you. That's two people who listen to the sketches. Woo! Thank you very much. Uh, and I know Dan <laughs> D. Dan D. loves three. the sketches. So yeah. we have three people out there. Thank you, guys. You are Look at the that. best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that is it for the uh, fan comments. The long email from Paul as well as the two oh, who man. said that they listened to the sketches. Over to you, Andrew, with the shout outs. Okay. So thank you, everybody, for those comments. And also thank you to our Patreon supporters who include Shasta, Leom O, Jose Arrocha, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willet Nick Noir, Jesse E, Jeffrey R, Sketchcraft, Scott V, and Yuli. And also Spark Again, STCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kukia Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, John Wells, and Rye Guy. Also, shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse, which is how I met Rob. Indeed. And also check out patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. The $1 tier gets you a shout-out, and the $5 tier gets you a whole other show every mm. Friday. Deeper dives than even this shit, although that car one was pretty deep. I don't know if I'm going to get that level. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Um, we get near that level on the Patreon. Um, so, yeah. I'm like that with characters and story, maybe not so much with cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exhaust pipes and shit. Um, all right, anyway, so um, <laughs> please uh, check out our merch. Uh, that's uh, superhousepod.redbubble.com, tpublic.com slash user slash superhousepodcast5000, threadless is superherostuffpod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mugs, shirts, shower curtains, or whatever you want, artwork by Wolfie Cruz. <laughs> They have all kinds of shit on there we can make. Um, so uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Please uh, record us some sort of audio clip if you want. Can be anything. Send that to superhousepodcast at gmail.com and you too can be on the show. Please review us on iTunes. Please animate our sketches if you so desire. If you got the gusto, if you got the gumption, please just hashtag it. In the corner, superhero stuff pod through the duration of the video. Uh, if you do animate it, that would be great. And uh, let us know if you do that. I am Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Also, ThunderwolfLives.com. Thunderwolf Lives on, uh, on YouTube, where I do uh, my Japanese culture related stuff, language, uh, ga uh, Japanese gaming, stuff like that. All my other shit is on there. And uh, also, I am, uh, I had this planned already, but we have a, a, another filmmaker here as well. It's interesting um, synchronicity there, but I'm also making a film. It's called, uh, I'm in pre-production now. It's called Amano Recon. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. It is an R-rated tokusatsu. That means special effects in Japanese. Original sci-fi show. 
and um, basically think R-rated Power Rangers meets X-Files. It's a horror comedy, okay? It is not a fan film. And uh, yeah, AminoRecon.com. There will be an Indiegogo for this at some point, but we are still deep in pre-production. But just letting that out there, Ben. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod, as well as Instagram at SuperHeroStuffPod. We could not change our name on Twitter, so that's why that's the only one that's still SuperHousePod. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, Instagram is SuperHeroStuffPod. TikTok is We're on TikTok. Stuff pod. Yes. Uh, we're also on Vero now. We have three followers as of now, oh. so we're gradually growing. See us. See Ben desperately try to get Snyder's attention. <laughs> Tell me, how was Joker created? Was it Ace Chemicals? Uh, find us at uh, Superhero Stuff Pod at Vero. Uh, my website is benwanwriter.com. My YouTube channel is in the description below where there will be videos about. Uh, you know, several different pitches that I've done on this podcast, including the Batman Joker team-up movie that I pitched way back in, like, 2017, 2018. Yes. Point. So we'll be putting that online. Uh, also, if you want to check out my kids' comic, that is available at earlebird.com. That's earl-e-bird.com. My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. Uh, my son's Instagram, my furry cat, Alfie Pennyworth, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. Uh, and that leads me to talk about if you have a feline friend, uh, you can check us out at Whiskerbox. We are affiliates with Whiskerbox. You can get your your little cat friend a nice box, uh, though he'll probably ignore, or he or she will ignore every toy in that and just jump into the box if they're like any other cat. Yeah, uh, just send you a box. <laughs> we just send cardboard boxes each month. Wait, uh, wait, wait. No, you can use all the toys on Whiskerbox. What are you talking the- about? Yes, you can use all the toys. Yes. Yes, they're listening. Uh, and then BarkBox, uh, for those who have doggos, who, those who are dog owners and dog parents, you can get uh, using our promo code or our, our link, right? Yeah, we have a special link for that one, actually. BarkBox.com slash superhero stuff pod. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can get one free month that is valued at about $35. 35 bucks. And I realized that our uh, promo for that in the middle of the episode, the whole basis is, do you like dogs? Which is <laughs> <laughs> fucking everybody, almost. <laughs> but, join BarkBox. Even if you don't have a dog, join BarkBox. Yeah. At some point you'll have one, and you'll have boxes of shit from the past three years. We might need to rework our concept on that on that ad campaign, but, uh, but it'll stick for the moment. It's pretty clear that we are not dog owners. <laughs> <laughs> do you like dogs? <laughs> we're also affiliates with uh, you know Amazon, eBay. Uh, there will be more merchandise and shit that you can uh, use the link where you can yes. enhance your collection as well as help us out a little bit. That's so, superhousepod.com slash shop. Yep. Uh, over to our new co-host, Zachary Jackson Brown. Woo! If you want to see more of my art, you can go to ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com and you can follow me, uh, Zachary Jackson Brown Art, on TikTok, on YouTube, and of course on Instagram if you are so inclined. Awesome. And uh, finally, our guest, uh, Rob, where can people find you either on social media or on YouTube? Any stuff that you would like to plug? Um, so first of all, thank you very much for having me on. This has been an absolute blast. It's been bloody brilliant to be on <laughs> and uh, a great way to spend a Sunday. Um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at, at Rob Ailing Film 
and you can follow me on Instagram and at Rob Ailing and uh, please check out my Batman fan film Living in Crime Alley it's on YouTube there's an Instagram page for that as well as well as a Twitter page for that as well and if you want to see any more of my work that I've done as well and any more projects I'm in line for in the future trust me I'm always working um, it's actually a bit of annoyance for a lot of people that I'm always working but you know I'm a workaholic um, that's, that, that's the field um, yep. so uh, and that is uh, robailing.com that's where you can find all my future work awesome nice amazing alright so for those who are part of our $5 Patreon tier we're going to do a bit of a deeper dive because of the fact that at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League it's clear that Batman is deciding to team up with the Joker now this might seem like an innovative idea but there's actually a whole history of Batman teaming up with the Joker in comics and other media and we will be diving into that in the Patreon show but in the meantime for the main show we said we are supervillain stuff you should know to end the supervillain stuff you should know trilogy as well as kind of our final stamp on the Snyderverse we're going to dive into Slade Wilson Deathstroke and talking Ooh. about the unmade Ben Affleck Batman versus Deathstroke movie and tying that into the whole history of Batman versus Deathstroke. And we'll talk about how much uh, he loves being a dark elf in Dungeons and Dragons. That's it. <laughs> I think that's guaranteed. <laughs> so, and uh, that is about it. We will see you then. But until then... <laughs> Let all your... Tell all your... What is the fucking line again? Tell all your friends about it. I see want you, later. you to do me a favor. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I'm setting you up for the favor. Tell me if tell all your I friends have the about shirt. Then I say like I want you to tell all your friends about. Me. We will get this someday, man. See you later. <laughs>